0: gentlemen welcome back to the out of the box podcast It is the season four premiere when this started it began because of some tweets and a suggestion and now here we are about to begin our 71st overall episode and our 41st regular season episode of the podcast gray robertson here alongside in the same room as we will be all year my partner tom canterbury tom can you believe it
1: I, I can't. If if, uh, if you've listened to all 71 episodes, God bless you and thank you. And uh, if you if this is the first one you've ever listened to, we appreciate you too as well.
0: Yes. Wow. Forty. This is our 41st episode. And, you know, last year we finally had a chance to go the whole year. 2019, we didn't do a show in the non-com. We started at the beginning of the year and then picked it up in conference play. 2020, you know, we were planning to go the full year, but as most people's plans, uh, that was derailed. Right. Yeah. And then last year we got to do the whole shebang and we're doing it all over again, Tom. Let's go. I'm ready. Shall we? Yes. All right. Let's start with our first uh, trip around the bases for 2022, which is incredible. I can't believe it's the year 2022. <laughs> right. We're we are already st- a month into 2022. <laughs> what? Unbelievable. Stop it. I know. We will start at the plate and break down Alabama ahead of the 2022 campaign. We'll look at the roster. We'll discuss possible lineups, The pitching rotation, the schedule, all that jazz. A lot to discuss, obviously, with Team 26
1: now. Oh, yeah. So much to talk about with the – you had one of the biggest senior classes ever, maybe maybe the biggest ever last year, and then most of them leaving. So got quite a lot of turnover, so a lot of new faces. So it's going to be a lot of fun. To get to know Team 26 here early on. Have you learned the roster yet? I'm almost there. Okay,
0: there you go. <laughs> we will advance to first, and this is going to be a long segment, so apologies, but I'm just warning you now. We're going to break down the SEC, look at the all-SEC team. We're going to look at the coaches poll. We're going to go through every team. We're going to look at people on the watch list, people on Team USA. That's something we'll talk about throughout the episode. We've got an FGCL preseason team for Gray's FGCL corner. Mm-hmm which will lead to a discussion about the preseason player of the
1: year. Again, uh, as, as we talked about during uh, SECB days, just break it up. If you don't yeah. want to sit there and listen the entire time. I will we listen understand. to
0: it across our four flights on opening <laughs> weekend. Yes. Then we will steal second with Jenny Dalton-Hill, our friend from Arizona, our friend from ESPN. She has a great viewpoint because she covers everybody. She played out in the Pac-12. She lives in SEC country. She had a great weekend in Tucson a couple weeks ago honoring Mike Kendray, and we'll talk to her about that. And, you know, I think it's just fun to get to talking to our softball friends again about everything going on around the country.
1: Absolutely. They're they're getting about to get revved up, getting their entire schedule as far as what games are going to be doing TV-wise. So, uh, just really excited to get that rolling again and uh, getting a chance to talk to JDH, talking about uh, this weekend and the entire landscape of college softball.
0: We will then round third and be joined in studio. Wow. By Emily P-Tech Clifford for her annual p point of view on the season premiere. Are, is there room for three people in here? No, but we're going to try. <laughs>
1: Give it a shot. We will hang something from the rafters. Uh, we're squeezing. <laughs> got, we, Alabama sold uh, their 3,200 season tickets getting all them in the Rhodes house we can get three people in in here yes yes the
0: studio and the roads house similar sizes (laughs) finally we will head home and it's everything you love lamb miner gold mine three predictions from tom and i our sec preseason rankings who will tom hate on this year (laughs) what twitter mob will be coming after me even though i was right you were right we've got (laughs) off the wall wow Wow. Yeah, and we've got Super Bowl picks. It's the first time ever, Tom, we've been able to pick the Super Bowl on the season premiere. The NFL added the extra regular season game. We will be flying back literally during the exact time the Super right. Bowl is played on Sunday, which, that's okay.
1: Which I literally just figured out like yesterday as I was wait a second, we're yeah. going to be flying during the Super Bowl.
0: Jen Schroeder and Tara Henry were telling us, they're like, oh, we've got this whole plan. We're going to watch it. And I said, oh, great. We'll have mm. it on American Airlines. It'll be awesome. Yeah, hopefully. Some housekeeping. Make sure you follow the Twitter at out of the box underscore pod, like share, subscribe, leave a review. We've got some upcoming projects this year, Tom, on the road shows. We're going to Baton Rouge and Gainesville. We're going to Gainesville a lot, but we're yeah. going to do a show either right before or during the LSU series in Baton Rouge location TBD it's still being worked on
1: and uh, in Gainesville before the SEC tournament. Uh, wow. I'm looking forward to both those. I'm sure we'll find a place That'll be good to eat in in Baton Rouge. I don't think that'll be a problem. No. So it'll be a lot of fun. Tarina gave us some good suggestions. So we appreciate that. Out of the box going
0: home. That'll be Twitter spaces after big games. That will be announced well in advance. So don't worry. You don't have to be on Twitter right after the game to find out. We won't do it often. We probably won't do it opening weekend because we will be traveling with the team, we will not be on our own accord in terms of leaving and entering the stadium. But you know, be on the lookout for that on the out-of-the-box Twitter. We'll be chasing down
1: the bus in yes. Tucson, so I don't think we'll be able to just happen to be on the bus.
0: Based so on the Twitter fun. spaces I have seen the last couple of weeks, I don't know where out-of-the-box going home is going to go, but it's probably <laughs> going to be entertaining.
1: Oh, my gosh. It is some, some of the most entertaining stuff you can have right now. If you happen to stumble across Auburn fans having a space – just just join it just click it just just listen it's for the best
0: coming up this summer the out of the box office summer series this will be us reviewing movies and rewatching movies and then handing out awards it's in the same vein as the Rewatchables, but i love the title i came up with out of the box office <laughs> oh perfect yes yeah. some people who want to be a part of it it's not nothing is scheduled but these are people who have expressed interest caleb bro sam fisher Amazing player from Loyola, Marymount, now a professional for AU. Obviously, SID extraordinary Nathan Sheehan. Of course. Morgan and Anthony Sinello,
1: Emily Erickson, formerly BYU, and uh, also a guy named Patrick Murphy. Yes. So I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun because you and I, we watch movies differently. You you we do, yeah. You watch it more with a critical point of view. I just want to be entertained. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to take a look at a lot of these movies. It's going to be they're going to be movies that everyone loves. Yes, yeah, they're beloved movies.
0: I love it. Alfonso Cuarón's Roma will not be on the list. I'm <laughs> nothing sorry. I, nothing you said just now made any sense <laughs> to me. Also, before we proceed, again the season is not here yet make sure you go back and listen to softball media days all 13 head coaches they give a lot of great info make sure you check it out now finally all that's out of the way yeah. let's talk about alabama in 2022 let's do it you mentioned the biggest senior class ever departures let me breathe in <sighs> maddie morgan Alyssa brown kyra lockhart kb sides taylor clark kayla davis alexis mack bailey hemphill sarah cornell claire jenkins crystal goodman transfer in there a couple players who just said you know what? I'm, I'm ready to be done with my career and some people who graduated but it's a big number and so that means you're going to need some people to fill in
1: yes and Alabama did bring in a bunch of people
0: yes now let's go over <laughs> the faces we know and the additions the seniors and grads grandmother kaylee tau three-time all-american montana fouts you heard of her
1: I've, I've i've heard such things okay she's good yeah i've heard she's good
0: and then two transfers ashley Prangy from ohio state and ally shipman from tennessee juniors abby door savannah woodard lexi kilfoyle and jenna johnson will be wearing number 88 this year
2: i'm
0: gonna do that every time she comes up Just perfect ready. okay listeners be ready <laughs> <laughs> so those are the upperclassmen tom and I mean, it's a good group. I think obviously the eyes draw to the pitching duo and Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle. I I think that, you know, you could make an argument that Alabama with as young as they are shouldn't be ranked number two in a lot of the preseason polls when you look at the whole roster. But I think the reason they are is because you've got the best pitching duo in the country. I said they could be back in media days and in the fall. I've done the research. They are the best pitching duo in the country. And it's only close with Michigan.
1: No, yeah. nobody else can really compare. Yeah, and and I think when you look at it, Lexi Kilfoyle is probably underrated as a whole because Montana Fouts gets the headlines that she had the perfect game. She, you know, Alabama has ridden her in the World Series before, so that, that's what most people see. So they're they're all for Montana. People forget at the beginning of conference schedule last year with both of them healthy. Lexi Kilfoyle was getting two starts, Montana that's yeah. one start every conference series. She is a number one pitcher, and so Alabama has two of the best number one pitchers in a one-two one uh, punch. So uh, Patrick Murphy can play matchups, uh, he can ride the hot hand, uh, he can do whatever to get who decides who gets two games and who gets one, but don't be shocked if, similar to what happened in 2021, if at some point this season Lexi Kilfoyle is starting Two out of three games yeah. in conference play, and Montana Faust may be coming in to close that game. It's going to be as important for Kilfoyle to to be at her t- at her best as it will be for Montana to be at her best for Alabama to get where they want to go.
0: I don't want to totally step on one of my lamont or gold mines or something we'll talk about later, but when you look at the career of Lexi Kilfoyle, she has pitched maybe four conference series while healthy, one in twenty twenty. The beginning of 2021 things seem to kind of turn around the Kentucky series that was when you know the injury that happened where she had to sit out and, and you know had some usage problems that that seemed to be where that got going mm-hmm. but she's healthy right now and yeah. that should be alarming because when she has been fully healthy no one has stopped her this is a two-headed monster that might not be stopped all year and that is why Alabama is where they are in the preseason polls
1: right that's 100% why and you you look at that combine it with what Alabama has offensively even if it's you're looking at more potential than uh, previous output you know, outside of a three-time all-american
0: sophomore class McKay Gidley, welcome to the team out of Shelton State Bailey Dowling is back welcome back to the team yes Jayla Torrance KJ Haney Cat Grill and also the redshirt freshman Alex Salter A really good sophomore class. Uh, Obviously, Bailey Dowling is going to have a much bigger role throughout the entire season, we hope, this year. She was an everyday starter before the injury. That shouldn't change in 2022. Cat Grill, we're going to talk about it more. She's in the mix for the right field spot that is seemingly still up for grabs. And Jayla Torrance is going to throw a lot of big innings this year because, you know, you've got a pitching staff of four now. That's more about what Patrick Murphy usually does with his staffs.
1: Yeah, and uh, back to Bailey Dowling. Yeah, you know, I pointed out anytime somebody talks about it, uh, Bailey Dowling was leading the team in home runs over Bailey Hemphill when she got hurt. And it was very early. I think it was the second conference uh, series, if I'm correct, I know she Second, yes. Yeah, the second conference series when she went down uh, and it took Alabama a while to figure out what the lineup was when she was out. So if she, and, and Patrick Murphy, and, we, and from what we've seen uh, back to 100% now is Dowling um, and she is going to really solidify Uh, the lineup as it stands
0: i'm very excited to see what bailey dowling can do fun fact everyone bailey dowling in every game against the ranked foe in 2021 where she had an ab That does not include the tennessee game where she got hurt because she did not have an Mm at-bat in that game she had not only a hit but an rbi in every game last year that she played against ranked foes you know it's probably not sustainable but that is the kind of success we saw from her last year, and, and, you know, we talked about it. She rose to the occasion in the biggest games. That stat proves it. She was driving in runs every time Alabama
1: needed her, to against those ranked teams. Doing that as a true freshman. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So, really excited to see her back at
0: 100%. Freshman class. Aubrey Barnhart, Dallas Goodnight, Jenna Lord, Callie Hevlin, Jordan Stevens, and Megan Bloodworth. It's a big class, obviously. Some people are going to be starters immediately. Some people are – going to probably be dps at times and and, you know coming in for certain games some people might just be pinch runners i don't know i do know that this is a really good class who showed great talent in the scrimmages and in fall ball to the point where alabama might have the best pinch hitting options of anyone in the country this year
1: which is saying something because that has been a problem for alabama in the last few years it's something that I um, remember we've talked about, even, even as Alabama is making their runs into the national semifinals, that Alabama needed a big bat off the bench that, that, could, uh, that you could either play matchups or that that could come in, get a, if nothing else, a deep fly ball to have a sacrifice fly to bring in a run. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Alabama has that depth now. It's young depth, uh, but they're going to get those chances, get those chances early, and then hopefully that means that somebody – uh, will do similar to what abby door did last year when you know might struggle a little bit early on but gets those uh gets those chances so in in those really important games at the end of the year it's it's not okay let's throw somebody in there who's had two at-bats all year right it's somebody that's going to have some at-bats and regardless of what the average is when they come in going to have the capability of producing for you in those big moments i'm really excited to see what this freshman class can do
0: So let's talk about the scrimmages real quick before we go into the lineup. I think what struck me the most was that you had, and I'm going to count again just to be sure that I've got it right, 11 different players had an RBI in the scrimmages. So this might be a team where I don't know if anybody's going to pop off and hit Bailey Hempill numbers and be hitting over 400. But I think the team average is going to be pretty good. I think you could see a pretty consistent lineup top to bottom. Dallas Goodnight in the scrimmages was three for six with an RBI. Jenna Johnson, two of five. Megan Bloodworth, three of six. Dowling was two of four. Callie Hevlin was incredible. Two of three with two RBIs, three walks, and a strikeout. And, you know, that was as impressive as I've seen her look going into the year. I I was pretty impressed with the lineup top to bottom that we saw in the scrimmages and how tight the games were and how many adjustments they're able to make against talented pitchers like what Alabama has.
1: Yeah, and and you're looking at some of these numbers – uh, I think it's even more impressive considering, you know, they had four oh, you know, one a day over two weekends. Um, and the first Sunday that, that we all went and watched the pitchers dominated.
0: It was, there were, I think there were three hits total right. on the day.
1: So, so they were able to do, put up the numbers they did despite, you know, which again, when you have pitching, a pitching staff, the caliber that Alabama has, it's going to happen. The pitching staff just totally dominates you for, for a day to be able to come back and still put up these type of numbers in the other games, I think was very impressive and kind of shows, you know, the mental toughness of this team early on, despite being so young. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Let's spin the wheel, Tom. Mm.
0: It's time to guess what the lineup will look like this year.
1: Here's the lineup that will most assuredly be wrong.
0: I'll never forget the second episode we ever did. And (laughs) I've gone back and listened to some of them over the years we said, you know what? The one thing set in stone is Bailey Hemphill in the three spot. Mm. Literally the next game moved up to the two. (laughs) That's it. Right. Now we're, these are our best guesses. Mm -hmm. There are still some open competitions. We have referenced right field. I think that, you know, you can view third base as an open competition. I think it's kind of shored up already, but there are a lot of ways this could go. And I think, that makes it fun for us. I really don't know what this lineup's going to look like, what this team's going to look like this year.
1: No, and I, yeah, they, like you say, I think that's what makes it fun. I think there are, you can make the case that are, there are probably 14 or 15 players that probably deserve to be starting and they can't all start. So, so yeah. you know, we're going to see how they all get, get plugged in. Uh, and I, I, would, I would be shocked to see a lineup be like solidified real early on. No. I think it'll be, kind of a work in progress for at, probably the entire pre-conference slate uh, until you get to the conference schedule and before you get to a solidified one through nine. And even at that point, I think there'll still be some movement. I will make a bet right now that in our four games
2: in
0: Tucson, there will be four different sets of nine players right. in those lineups in each game. That's yeah. just how it's going to be this year. 100%. Yep. That being said, do you want me to go or do you want to go? You go and okay. then I, I will, I will bounce off it. Here's what I've got: Jenna Johnson, center field and leadoff. Center field, I think. I, I think we've seen Jenna play enough center field to know that she can be the heir apparent to the magical Alabama center fielders of years past. She obviously had the great catch over the fence in Clearwater in 2020. I think she's got the speed for it. I, I think that Jenna in center field makes a lot of sense, and I like her in leadoff because of all the things I've talked about. Her eye was really good in the scrimmage you know she's not going to lead off every inning it's just the first that she's guaranteed to lead off i think it makes the most sense
1: i I think jenna is going to lead off i i think she's going to play left field to start off with because i i I really think dallas goodnight is going to be the starting center fielder but she could play center field and goodnight could play left field it's they're kind of interchangeable
0: yeah in the two hole i've got kaylee tau three-time all-american people forget that (laughs) i've got tau at first base she'll be there either yeah. there or DP pretty much all year. And I think in the two hole, you allow her to drive in runs if the opportunity comes. And also, you know,
1: she'll be protected by some big batters behind her in the lineup. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's where she slides in. I'm going to go with Kaylee Tao first base and batting second. The three hole.
0: I I have no idea. Bailey Dowling in the three hole. I'm not sure. I love Bailey in the three spot. She was so good last year in the four and five, but I think you want that RBI producer to be right behind Tao and to back her up in the lineup. I've got Dowling at second base. She could play short, but I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, while she's still getting her footing in competition, you want her to play at a less stressful infield position. That would be second base compared to short.
1: So I've got Dowling at second and then three hole. I I have her in the three hole as well. And I think, I agree that I think she will probably play second base. I hope and, and would wish that hopefully she will at some point, move over to short uh, for no other reason than she was playing second when she got hurt. Right. And so just to get, take that play off. But unfortunately last year we saw Alabama shortstop also get injured. And so, so, I mean, you nobody know, nobody is safe, nobody Tom, is safe. don't you remember? Right. Exactly. So um, it may not matter, but I, I, I think she's going to be fine at second base. And she, when she was playing shortstop early last year, she had some defensive issues. Yeah. So second base may be the best spot for her overall, but I think second base third, and batting third is probably the best for Bailey right
0: now. Four hole. I've got Allie Shipman. This feels too high, but I'm not sure who else would fill this spot. I've got her catching and uh, batting cleanup. The Tennessee transfer, Allie Shipman. We saw an average batting wise that wasn't great in the scrimmages and in fall ball, but when she got a hold of one, she could drive it and more often than not out to left center. Right. And I, I think that her ability in the four hole will be
1: helpful for this team. Again, she can back up Dowling. I, I think it is a little bit too high. I- I'm gonna. I think I have. Shipman at five, and, and we're talking with Patrick Murphy, and he's talking about some lineups where you could see shipment as low as seven, and, and that just shows you how deep this lineup is. Right. Um, I'm going to put Abby Dore at four. Okay. As a DP, or like Sekil Foil at four as a DP. If, yeah. if she's if she's pitching, um, but I, I think, it, and that might be putting too much pressure on Abby, but it, if she's made the improvements that we've seen, if she's able to carry that into games, we're making sure we're doing lineups with Abby Dore in it and she's going to be i think she's going to be you know right in that meat of the order spot so i'm going to put her at four
0: i'm going to make a switch on the sheet of paper i have here my five is going to be the door kill foil dp combo okay uh, i i feel good about that you can start either and i would feel confident i think we will probably see one start two games and the other start two games this weekend unless you have abby dp when lexi's pitching mm-hmm. there i Good luck, Patrick Murphy, trying to maneuver the math there. Yeah. But or, I or, feel good about them in the five spot.
1: Or if you want to get one of these true freshmen in as a DP. Right. Maybe against, like, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
0: Okay. Who's your five? Uh, my five will be shipment. Yeah, okay, I'll right. him at five. My six hole, I've got uh, Savannah Woodard out in right field. I've got Sav winning the right field battle. I think that her experience at the plate, honestly, is going to be what separates. Because fielding-wise, I don't see much of a difference between Woodard and Cat Grill. I think that what Savannah did at the plate all last year, hitting pretty much about 300 consistently all season long, the average never really got too high, never really got too low. I think that will be what pokes her just to just past cat for that starting spot. Also, again, another situation that's going to be fluid, be prepared for multiple right fielders this weekend.
1: Yeah. It's, I don't think it's going to be a necessarily a revolving door all year long, but it'd be one of those things uh, early on where, you know, you're going to, Put a lot of different people out there, see if you can find who who is your best position, and then it's going to be one you can play matchups with later on as well. I I agree with you. I think Woodard is going to be your starting right fielder. I think that may be a little bit too high for her in the lineup. I'm going to put uh, Prangy at at six. Okay. And and she would be starting shortstop. Yes,
0: I've got her, but we'll get to that. My seven hitter is Megan Bledworth. I've got her as the winner of the third base sweepstakes. Congratulations, (laughs) Megan. You're going to be the freshman that starts on the infield. And again, there are a lot of options here. You could see multiple people start at third over the Tucson trip, but Megan Bloodworth has been, you know, not the most highly touted recruit of this class, but from what I've seen in the fall and on scrimmage, she's been the most consistent with the, with the bat and has been pretty impressive in the field. And I think that that consistency and that demeanor that she has, you know, she's very calm mm-hmm. from our few interactions. I think that that'll be something Patrick Murphy will like to have for opening weekend in Tucson. I, I,
1: I like it. I am going to put Sav there at seven and then put uh, at eight, Bloodworth slash General Lord okay. at, at third base. But I, I agree. I think day one, I think it would it would be, or if you were say, more though more so of day one than the Arizona game I think you have blood worth a third my eight hitters Prangy at short she's
0: really impressed me with her glove she's impressed me with her timeliness of the hits mm-hmm. with her bat uh, her averages not super amazing from the scrimmage and from fall ball but I think that that senior leadership is going to be critical so Prangy in the eight hole for me and then we
1: had we both have uh Dallas goodnight in the nine slot yes um whether or not she's a center fielder or left fielder, but I, she'll be good in either spot. I have a lot of confidence in right. Dallas. Good night. So we're looking at there in all likelihood, two true freshman starters. And then with a possible third, if someone like uh, Aubrey Barnhart is your DP. Yeah. So I, I think you're going to see a good mix of the upperclassmen and the youth. And then we're going to see a lot of these freshmen kind of rotating themselves in as, as the early part of the season goes on. In the
0: circle, the pitching staff, Montana Fouts, Lexi Kilfoyle, Alex Salter, Jayla Torrance. First off, Montana's on Team USA, Tom. Yes, she is. She is an American, and she is proud of it. Very impressive. And you can see her in Birmingham at the World Games. That is the next big event. How do we see this weekend going? Here's the schedule for the Mike Candre Invitational. Friday, Southern Utah, two games on Saturday, Oregon State first, Arizona second, and then New Mexico on Sunday. I think that... You're going to probably see four different starters for these games. My guess would be Salter, Southern Utah, Kilfoyle, Oregon State, Arizona's least favorite pitcher ever, Montana Fouts (laughs) on Saturday night.
1: Welcome to the Mike, Andre, and Mateo, Montana. Montana with a Mm. .33
0: career ERA against the Wildcats, (laughs) and I think Torrance against New Mexico, and then obviously anybody
1: available for relief. It's the first weekend. Everybody's rested. You
0: can do whatever you want.
1: Right. I I agree that you could see L four starting a game. I would not be shocked if you see Montana start at least the first few innings against Southern Utah, and then you know after she's struck out the side three times, then 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 bring in uh, Salter or Torrance at that point. Uh, just kind of kind of get things rolling. Definitely, you will see on Saturday. I would think Kilfoyle against the Beavers, and then Fouts against the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, Oregon State not a great team last year, but they've got good players mariah masson has been one of the best two-way players in the pack for a couple of years also shout out southern utah their athletic director is debbie corum her daughter used to babysit me oh, back wow. in the day debbie corum former employee at the southeastern conference office what what
1: uh, a what, what a connection
0: yes how about that i just there are so many of that of those this year so just be prepared <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy you, you don't have any connections with thunderbirds no. no okay although that's an
1: awesome nickname it is that may, that's, that's an early favorite of my nickname of the year
0: just wait till we get to all name team for oh, this weekend wow. all right as we usually do tom i want you to pick a game in the non-con that really sticks out to you it's really important besides arizona obviously because we're going to talk more about that later and then also a conference series you think is really
1: important or could just be really fun in the non-con i really when you look at it alabama it's not it's not a 2020 schedule Thank goodness. Uh, I think that no one ever wants to see that again. Let's never Uh, (laughs)
0: think about 2020 ever again,
1: outside of the one Washington game. It was, it was not good. Uh, But uh, there is some really good matchups in the non-conference and the first one might be coming up in Tuscaloosa during the Bama bash the first weekend with Alabama taking on Virginia tech. That is a going to be a top
0: 10 battle. I think. Barring some weird losses in week one. And it's a battle of two of the four, five best pitchers in the country and Montana Fouts and keely Rochard, at least once, maybe right. twice.
1: Yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy. I, I hope they maybe we see both Kilfoyle and Fouts get a one-on-one matchup with Rochard, which would be a lot of fun. Uh and then the fact that we're going somewhere called the Mardi Gras Mambo, uh, could not be more excited.
0: I doubt we will be on the floats, but it's going to be fun. There I'm, is a float involved. I mean, I'm I'm getting on the float unless somebody <laughs> tells me I'm not allowed. <laughs> I'm
2: gonna throw all then, the I beads. On it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say Florida State for a couple reasons. One, good revenge game. This is a midweek. It'll be on the SEC network, I believe. my be ESPN, you, but it's on television. Television. Mm-hmm. So we'll be doing the game. It's going to be packed night game. And also the Florida State factor for us, we know like way too many Seminoles, like <laughs> right. way too many. And there are a lot of our FGCL friends who will be here in Tuscaloosa, including Mac Leonard, uh, my girl, Devin Flaherty, Kyla Lapresti Michaela Edenfield, a lot of people that we know. So that's going to be just a really fun night all the way around. It really will. And, and hopefully it'll be a lot more fun game time than it was last time that's all i want right conference series i'm gonna go first because you're gonna steal it i think (laughs) i think alabama missouri is gonna be so gigantic for so many reasons i today spent too much of my time if we're being honest calculating a strength of schedule formula missouri has got the by the numbers easiest conference slate of anyone i think the tigers are gonna have a chance to win the conference when they come to tuscaloosa i think alabama will as well not to step on my landmine or gold mine, that'll be coming up later. Mm-hmm. But or I, mine, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, that series is going to be gigantic. I, I cannot stress enough how big that will be Alabama, Missouri, to close the regular season here in Tuscaloosa. Oh, and by the way, that is also the weekend Patrick Murphy will be inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame.
1: Just, just gigantic weekend all the way around. And I like the fact that it's coming off of a bye. Alabama will not have played the weekend before. Uh, at least a conference schedule right now it's an open weekend on the schedule that could change but uh, I think it's pretty much set that yeah, I don't think it'll be a real taxing weekend uh, if Alabama does end up playing somebody so I, I like this coming off a of bye uh, because you took the Missouri series I'm going to mention Alabama going to Gainesville for the first of the two uh, times of course the the entire conference will be going to Gainesville for the SEC tournament at the end of the year but those are always that's always a a massive series when the Tide and the Gators get together down in Gainesville last time it went really well for Alabama and uh, hopefully it will do so again
0: that's the plan
1: yes okay Tom we've put it in
0: play we started at the plate Mm -hmm. but who are we what have we done I don't know what what do you think Ah, first the first one's always hard right let's go with let's go with three-time All-American Kaylee Tal sure yes okay put it right in the gap yes we but we only made it to first first. (laughs) when we come back it's the SEC season preview. Guys, there is so much to talk about. The SEC is going to be crazy this year. And Tom's got some takes. That's coming up when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. It's time to advance first. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here on the Season 4 premiere. Tom here we go. Buckle yeah. in. It's the first of many, many episodes over the next, what, five months? I'm just preparing myself for the Twitter mob to come after me now. <laughs> Boy. Well, we are not going to start there. We're going to start right. with the uh, preseason All-SEC team. When we talked with Joe Evans in the Media Days episode we did about Texas a m she talked about how the coaches had gotten together and were trying to figure out a way to better do the end of the regular season All-SEC teams. Well, we have a different look for the preseason All-SEC team as well. It's just 21 people right positions be darn just throwing them in <laughs> whatever every, it theoretically could be 20 pitchers and one catcher. yeah i mean i don't know if i love this way but i couldn't find more than maybe two or three snubs so everybody right. who should be on this list
1: is pretty much is yeah it really does cut down on the amount of snubs because of course the issue last year was that the sec had an enormous amount of catchers that should have been on the list uh and so that led to some all-americans being left off the sec, yes. <laughs> the SEC bailey
0: Hempill right. not on the all preseason team Haley lee not first or second all sec right both
1: were all americans ridiculous so uh i think this is a good way to uh, cut down on the snubs if nothing else
0: yes and a couple people of note obviously montana founts kaylee Town from alabama mary half on there from arkansas co-pitcher of the year with montana shelby lowe from auburn i was really excited to see her on this list i again i know there's a thing with auburn but yeah. shelby lowe is one of my favorite pitchers in this league to watch and we're going to talk more about the tigers in a bit but if she gets run support she can be shut down she just hasn't gotten it yet in her career mm-hmm. and adams from florida charlotte eccles elizabeth hightower from florida ali kilponen and taylor Pleasants from lsu missouri with three jenna laird hattie moore a little maybe the one surprise i had and brooke wilmus Tennessee with Kiki Malloy and Ashley Rogers, AM with Haley Lee and Mackenzie Herzog. The people who maybe had a case, Lexi Kilfoyle, Hannah McEwen, Shelby Sinceri, Amanda Ayala, they were not on the list.
1: But like I said, all in all, I, I don't have a problem with it for the first time ever. Yeah. The only thing I would say would be Alabama was the preseason pick to fin- to win the league and didn't have the most number of all conference. But I mean, that just means maybe yeah. the it, that's that Again, you're kind of splitting hairs to try to find a, an issue with it. Uh, but I, I think that might provide a little bit of a chip on the shoulder of some of the people that think they should have been on it. Maybe like Alexi Kilfoyle. Shall we go over the coaches' poll?
0: Okay. All right, we've already talked about number one. That's Alabama. Mm-hmm. Seven in the first place votes. Let's go to number two, the Florida Gators. Oh boy, the Gators are bringing back Team USA member Charlotte Eccles. Hannah Adams, who was in, pretty much in there late in the... SEC player of the year conversation, Cheyenne Lindsay, Kendall Lindemann's gone. Jamie Hoover's gone. The pitching staff has Hightower, Lugo, Trilichek, some great recruits, Lexi Delbray, Kendra Falby, the freshman, uh, is going to be a starter. Reagan Walsh is going to be a starter. Tim Walton already announced the starting lineup on Shane Matthews' show earlier this week. Skylar Wallace is eligible for the Gators. Florida is number two, and I can't really find a reason not to have them there. The schedule, not insane but they do have Michigan on opening weekend which will be a fun fun little test against a team with a a fantastic pitching duo in the Wolverines
1: yeah so that's a a somewhat you know unusual for Florida not to have uh, a really daunting non-conference schedule they usually have some really big non-conference matchups they do have the Michigan games they do have Florida State um, but uh, they may have a pretty gaudy record when they head into conference play
0: yeah I think that that top four, my goodness, Adams in the one hole, Wallace two, Eccles three, Walsh four. I think that top three, we, we don't know about Walsh who's a freshman, but that top three is going to be as
1: good as anybody in the league. Yeah, I I think that's uh, pretty uh, pretty formidable there to start off with. Can't help but notice Scott Law Wallace playing first base. Walsh,
0: Walsh the freshman Yes, over at Short in the cleanup spot.
1: In the three hole of the SEC preseason coaches
0: poll, it's Arkansas. The reigning co-conference champions. This is a team that... There are a lot of ways this year could go. Gone is all American autumn storms. Braxton Burnside decided not to take the extra year. Kayla Green, Alabama killer. She hit like 500 against the Crimson Tide. Oh, yeah. yeah, that
2: She's was, uh, gone. Right.
0: But Daniel Gibson's back. Hannah McEwen back. Lenny Malkin back. Mary Half, obviously, is back. And then you add, I mean, listen to these transfers. KB Sides from Alabama. Janice Dels from Tulsa. You've got Taylor Ellsworth power hitting catcher from Texas. She'll fill the Kayla green role. Callie Turner from Tennessee. I mean, goodness, Uh, this is a completely different
1: almost Arkansas team from the one we saw last year. It really is. Uh, I I think the comparison I'm going to make for this Arkansas team, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we do our predictions for the one through 13 in the conference, but will Arkansas become the Alabama men's basketball team from Mm. last year to this year? you look at what happened with Alabama men's basketball last year, the tide got won so many games where the breaks kind of went their way a little bit. They, you know, they had those just tremendous games like where they set the three point record against LSU and just uh, and it was a, a magical year and they deserve to win both the regular season and, and the tournament. Uh, but everything kind of went Alabama's way. And then Fred. this year we're seeing some of those things are not going Alabama's way. Plus everyone they're playing has an Alabama game circled because of what happened last year. Will that kind of come along the same way for the Arkansas softball team this year? Because everyone's going to be looking, okay, here is the defending SEC champion, Arkansas Razorbacks coming in. We have a chance to kind of make up for what happened last year uh, when the Razorbacks beat us or, or, you know, they got ahead of us. So I think that is going to be uh, the the challenge for Courtney Diefel and the Razorbacks is kind of, being the hunted instead of the hunter right Uh, they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year their schedule is is tougher than it was last year and as far as the conference slate goes how will they be able to handle that and the fact that it's a a a lot of new faces may help in that situation because they weren't in they they, you know they're they're part of the team now but they weren't there last year so uh we'll see how much that factors in but i think there is going to be uh somewhat of a Hunter hunted instead of the Hunter factor for the Razorbacks this year.
0: Yeah, another team with a good top of the order. I mean, the way that Coach Difel talked about it, it sure sounds like it's gonna be sides McEwen, Gibson, Ellsworth, your one through four, maybe some order of that. I will say a couple schedule things with Arkansas. One, you kick off with a bang at Tennessee and LSU at home. So we're gonna find out real quick what the Razorbacks are made of. Number two, there are some concerns about the Puerto Vallarta tournament in Mexico. Arkansas is scheduled to take on Washington this upcoming weekend twice. If that does not happen, the Arkansas non-conference schedule is not daunting really at all. I mean, you've got Wichita State a couple times, a game at Liberty, a game at James Madison. That's, that's pretty much it. You need, wow. if you're Courtney yeah. Diefel, those Washington games to at least be played. You yeah. probably need to at least guarantee a split there, but the non con's not doing Arkansas any favors. So that could be a story to watch as we get closer to Friday.
1: Yeah. So that's, as of right now, it's only the one team dropped out. Correct? Right. Lamar. So, so hopefully that, that will, uh, that tournament will go on as scheduled
0: number four in the preseason coaches poll, Tennessee, speaking of teams, adding a bunch of transfers, Tennessee brings in Zeta Pooney from Oklahoma who was incredible in the fall ball game against Kentucky and two pitchers, Riley white from Texas, Aaron Edmondson from Texas tech. Why is that important? Because last year, Ashley Rodgers threw over 217 innings. And if Tennessee wants to be what I think they could be this year, she can't throw that many. No, they've got to have other options in the circle. And I think this is the type of well-rounded pitching staff that Karen weekly now in her first year as head coach solo, of course, right, of course.
1: Uh, that she's been looking for. It's going to be, I think it's a tough slate overall for Tennessee. So we'll, we'll, they're going to have to find out. Oh, the
0: non-con is
1: insane. Right. It's insane. So they'll have to either be able to handle some early losses and not derail them going into conference play or be able to handle success. And maybe, you know, you get a bunch of wins in that non-conference and then people will be be on the bandwagon and be able to see if they can hold that over once they get into conference play
0: i mean clearwater they've got notre dame florida state washington clemson so Mm -hmm. that's you know pretty tough and then they go to the mary nutter and play oklahoma and ucla wow and then they have virginia tech oh karen (laughs) what are we doing and look at conference play at missouri arkansas at florida your first three series
2: what are we all right
0: okay (laughs) we'll find out kiki malloy amanda ayala they're so good chelsea segeron is gone obviously allah shipman's at alabama now but This is a Tennessee team that I think if they learn what they need to from that insane non-conference slate, I could see them be not necessarily be greater than the sum of their parts by conference play and that lead to them challenging for the title.
1: Absolutely. I I think that could be the case. But like I said, it's hopefully they can if they have some bumps in the road with that type of schedule, that it doesn't kind of deflate them moving into conference play. Because like I said, that is quite a start to that conference play. They could quickly behind the eight, get behind the eight ball. Yeah. Missouri is number five in the preseason coaches poll. I think it's
0: too low. We'll talk about that later. They return 99% of their RBIs and 94% of their innings pitched. Wow. And keep in mind, Larissa Anderson has had this team finish higher than expectations in the preseason every single year. She's been there. Brooke Wilmus, SEC freshman of the year, Jenna Laird, Kessinger, Moore, Wirt, they're all there. Obviously, I think the question with Missouri will be, what's the status of the pitching? Weber, Nichols, Krings, they showed flashes, but can one of them take the reins as the ace? Because I stand by what I've said for two years now. I don't think you can win this conference pitching by committee.
1: Yeah, you got you got to have an ace. You got to have somebody that is going out there virtually every Friday night and that the team can get behind. So yeah, I agree. I think Missouri needs to find that person. I think they can, they'll have the chip on their shoulder with how the way, you know, that they were right there last year and how the season ended. Obviously you ran up against Shane's Madison and uh, didn't know at the time, what they, what they were going to be, but they ended up being really dang good as far as going, making that uh, Cinderella run in the tournament. So, uh, but I'm sure that left a bad taste in Missouri's mouth because they were that eight seed. They should have been in the world series. So uh, hopefully they can kind of yeah. get over that hump.
0: And, you know, the schedule doing them favors. I mean, you look at the top half of the league, LSU, not on Missouri's schedule, Tennessee, Missouri gets them at home the first weekend of conference play, no Arkansas, no Florida. And then they close that Alabama. So from that first weekend to the end, it's the bottom half of the league. I, I think that this is setting up for Missouri to make a run. I really do. Yep. Number six, LSU. This is a team that went 35 and 22 last year, but got a top eight seed nationally because of that strength of schedule. The SOS, not nearly as murderers row this year. You know, they've got some tough ones. They go to Clearwater, they'll play Washington. They've got Louisiana games. They go to Texas for three. But again, as we always say, there are two things that come to mind with LSU. One, where is this pitching staff? Have they continued to get better? And of course that includes Coppone and Sinceri, Wickersham, and I think Morgan Smith as well, and some of the freshmen. And two, can they avoid the falter that seems to always come in the
1: back half of the conference season, that two, three three-week swoon that LSU always seems to go on at some point during the year. uh, Can they get past that? Can they mitigate it? Can they, instead of, (laughs) instead of losing all three series, just lose one series, Just one, right? I think that could happen. I think when you look at it, I think you have Pleasance as a conference, if not national player of the year candidate, if they can kind of ride her offensively find the pitching that, you know, again, it's, It's similar, I think, to Missouri as far as committee, but I think overall the talent is probably a little bit better at LSU pitching-wise, but you still got to find that Friday. you got to find that number one. I want to see what Wickersham looks like. Last year was pretty
0: much a disaster. I mean, she only threw 53 innings, ERA over a Mm 3-6. I thought she was one of the best on staff in 2019 when we were there. She was the one that impressed me the most. Kilponen has stuck out as the ace, but can Wickersham – you know also get back up to that level if she can all of a sudden lsu is a lot more dangerous let's go to number seven there's a tie for seven tom with two teams that we we just don't understand we will start (laughs) with georgia the george bulldogs coached by the first year head coach tony baldwin they bring back everyone above the mendoza line but the question will be for the bulldogs who's pitching because gone is the truth Mm. r.i.p she has been set free (laughs) of the program. She's right. still alive. She's okay. She's yes. fine. She's great. Uh,
1: but you now what will you do with your time now that, that, that the that the truth is gone? I don't know. Maybe go get some white chocolate cheesecake. Is that okay? <laughs> <That's>, okay. <laughs> grab, me a, grab me a slice while you're there. It's yeah. It's, it's all about going to be who is going to be not even just that, that starter, but what does the overall pitching staff look like for Georgia offensively, not just tremendous, but good enough to get the job done, but you got to have the pitching. Yes, Lacey Fincher, preseasonal SEC.
0: She will anchor that offense. They were so young, so I can only imagine the offense is going to get better. But I feel like we've said this every year, too. Georgia seems like a team that's going to have to win all their games 8-6. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Kentucky, speaking of enigmas, mm-hmm. they're back. And yet, Tom, you feel like you've got kind of a handle
1: on the Wildcats this year. I don't know if I have a handle on them or not. I just feel good about them for some reason. I don't know. But I, I one of the reasons why is because I think they may have the best overall player in the league. And when you have... I don't think
0: it's close. I think you're right.
1: No, So when you have that, uh, I think that kind of gets you on a good start. Now, we'll see how if the rest of the, of the lineup and then if they can find the pitching staff that will be able to help her, Kowalik. But... I mean, I, I think that's a great place to start if you're Kentucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring back your top six in the lineup in terms of average. Uh, Aaron Koffle's going to just keep building off of a great freshman year. Humes and Ballman, though, they're gone. So you've got Kennedy Sullivan, the Western Kentucky transfer. You've got Spangler, Stoddard, you know, some freshmen like Atena, who was on the Italian national team. She pitched in the Olympics, mm-hmm. but she also got lit up by Tennessee in fall ball pitching with these two teams georgia and kentucky the biggest question mark is pitching i think it's almost fitting that they're tied in the preseason yeah, 100 yes number nine the Ole miss rebels so looking back i i told you i cranked out this formula for strength of schedule i did it for last year to see what the numbers looked like by my metrics again these are my metrics hmm. Ole miss had the easiest conference schedule out of anybody in the league they finished 12 and 12 which i think was higher than expected right. coming into the year but you know you look back and think they could have gotten some more though and now right. you look at what they can be in 2022 they bring back their two biggest arms borgen and dedrick blaze beringer we'll see her in tucson she's at arizona now tate whitley is back latham is back gutierrez is back but other than that i mean you see here i mark
1: all the players gone with an orange highlighter it's a lot of orange on this sheet there is and in some ways, that may be a good thing for all this. You know, you look at they finished 12 and 12, but they were in a good position to finish much better than that with just a few weeks left in the season. And they, for kind, sure. of, they kind of fell off at the end of the year. And then, you know, the postseason did not go well for them uh, at all. It was uh, an embarrassment in more ways than one. So we'll see how that combined with the offseason issues, uh, if that worked to solidify and kind of bring everybody together or if there is uh, more strife. Um, and I think we'll be able to see how that goes early on.
0: old Miss, Oregon, opening weekend. Be prepared for that one, folks. In the 10 spot, Texas A&M, the Fighting Texas Aggies. I will note, Joe Evans is in the final year of her contract at Texas A&M. What could that mean? I don't know. Uh, perhaps this is the... Same thing we saw this past year with Mike Kendra and Lou Harris-Champer. Maybe this is the retirement tour for Joe Evans. Maybe she wants to coach more and will get another year added onto the contract. I don't know the logistics of that. And now you look at the team. Herzog is back. Haley Lee is back. Those are the two best threats on offense.
1: And Herzog obviously Grace. Right. And they were a team that just got right to getting over that hump so many different times last year. And then something would happen. Uh, we saw it even. We saw it in the SEC tournament, they led Tennessee that entire game, and then Tennessee walks them off, and they were still able to make the NCAA's and, and had issues there. So, yeah, I think it's it's about being able to finish those games. They, they put themselves in positions to win. Now, can they get over that hump?
0: Will A be the spoiler? Their home series: Florida, LSU, Alabama, Arkansas. They're not going to go zero and twelve, so they're going to steal one from somebody. You would think. We'll see. If they don't, then we're not having a different conversation. Uh, that's true. Auburn is number 11 in the preseason poll. And with the Tigers, Tom, Shelby Lowe is it. Uh, Maddie Penta, I think, if she continues to develop, a solid number two. But Lowe's your ace. And all you're looking for, all you're begging for is some help. Michaela Packer is there, but gone is McKenna Dowell. Tyler King, gone. Those are two of your top three bats. Alyssa Rivera's gone. Justice Perry's gone. You've, you've got Sidney Cox back, but there aren't any scary bats yet again. Maybe Michaela Packer, but still I, not an offense that, that scares me. And that is what Mickey Dean is looking to improve upon this year.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I don't see where it is. Maybe some of these players. Some of these freshmen, maybe. Some of the, they better be, but I don't, I just, I don't know where that offense goes.
0: Auburn's going so. to Clearwater. Why? Got Texas and UCLA down there. That's not a great. That's not that's not a great matchup for Auburn. Yeah. I, look, Shelby Lowe will take them as far as she can. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, Mississippi State, Mia's back, but gone is Fah. But coming in is. Oh, do you, am I doing it? Yes. Matalasi Papito from ah. New Mexico State. Fah is gone, but Ma is in. <laughs> Emily Williams also gone. So it's all on Annie Willis. I think that, uh, you know, there are things that, you miss if you're Mississippi state and that's Fala Lou and Carter Speck's There's gotta be somebody in the lineup to protect Mia Davidson. That's the bottom line. And there needs to be a reliable number two in the circle, preferably behind Danny Willis, because you don't want her to get tired by crunch time. What Mississippi state did so well last year was peaking at the right time at the end of the regular season. If they can't find a a number two, it could go the opposite way this year.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you don't want to see a, a repeat even of last year where you go 0-9, 0-12 to start things off, and then, you know, to their credit, they didn't give up, and, and they were able to turn things around, uh, but they need to be better early on in the, conf- in, the, in the schedule. I think they're going to be kind of a, a spoiler-type team this year where they're going to avoid some sweeps, which may do a lot to decide on who wins the league. They're not going to be involved in it, but they may give some teams losses that that will affect who wins
0: trap alert missouri at mississippi state right in the middle of the conference slate Mm -hmm. also another sec team playing both oklahoma and ucla in the non-conference that's opening weekend for mississippi state finally south carolina in the 13 spot the disrespect for south carolina how dare they I, i can't believe it look this is a team that brings back Numbers-wise, a lot of people on offense, but you lose your top two bats, Kinsey McGuire and McKenzie Bozel. A couple of weeks ago, Tara Henry and I were doing some research. We uncovered that Lauren Stewart, who Bev Smith talked about in media days, has transferred to Jackson State. So, mm-hmm. Coach Prime getting another one.
1: <laughs>
0: With South Carolina,
1: But also, there are so and, many questions. And Bev was one of the main ones talking about the timing of transfers still being yes. allowed, and this is another situation. So, hopefully that's going to be a, something that will be – uh, address at some point because so I agreed with what coach Smith said now, she's at, around the money at some point you, you got to close the window on transfers I don't know so. where the
0: offense is coming from
1: and yeah. the pitching staff I think Leah Powell is your best bet
0: at an ace will Kelsey O be healthy Bo Smith said yes it, it's another case where I, I need to see it right I, I think that South Carolina it, it could be it could be a rough year for South Carolina it could be I mean Georgia Alabama Ole Miss Kentucky are your home series you go to Auburn Missouri LSU and Arkansas three of those it's going to be tough to win a game second kind of year for South Carolina I'm, I'm concerned yeah but we've also been surprised before sure so that's our breakdown of all the SEC teams everybody a lot of them on the preseason top 50 watch list or whatever it's it's online you can go look it up there are too many to list we've got three current players on Team USA Charlotte Eccles, Montana Fouts Taylor Pleasants, which is great obviously a lot of SC representation around that as well but I think it you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those three look in particular. Pleasant's, I was pleasantly, sorry, surprised <laughs> that she made the roster. She's got a lot of talent. I, I thought there were a couple other shortstop options that they would pick up. But now it'll be fun to see if she can back that up. And if any of these players feel any kind of pressure in 2022 with the knowledge that they're now a part of Team USA.
1: I think there'll be one one case, the fact that they're not gearing up for an Olympics right away. Uh, hopefully will take a little bit of that pressure off. There's always going to be pressure, no matter what the competition is. If you're on Team USA and you're representing your nation, you're, they're going to have, there's going to be some pressure. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be exactly the same as what maybe some of the players were feeling last year that were playing college about to go play in Tokyo. So hopefully not. Uh, I, I hope it's nothing but excitement for somebody like Montana who's, who are first... Uh, Big event is going to be in Birmingham, right? You know, when when everything gets over with for Team USA. The fact that Taylor Pleasance is is on the team, along with some of the other players that, even if they didn't make the team, but that were invited to try out. Yes. You know, somebody like a Bailey Hemphill that was invited to try out kind of showed there was a philosophical change with the new coaching staff, a philosophical change with how they're going to attack things offensively. Uh, Because the reason why the United States did not win a gold medal is because there wasn't enough power hitting. Uh, So somebody like Pleasant is going to be able to come in there and help that out with, I I think it's nothing but positive. Hopefully that'll be the case for all three of these players in the conference.
0: So we're going to close the advancing and first portion with Gray's FGCL corner. I've got a whole 10 page document, Tom, to track all these people all year. You were there. You met a lot of them this summer. Yes. And for the first time we have crafted an FGCL all preseason team. And then we will pick a preseason player of the year. So here we go. Mm. i did this alone so director okay. adds to me <laughs> three pitchers blake Nelleman from georgia tech morgan scott from unc greensboro the 2022 socom preseason pitcher of the year and alexis Groot from ut martin first team all ovc last year catcher Haley lee texas a&m all right <laughs> third team all-american probably, last year probably the right call yeah she's on the watch list this year four infielders Sarah Vanderford from Texas State, the Sunbelt Preseason Player of the Year. Devin Flaherty from Florida State. She'll be an everyday starter for the Seminoles. Grayson Radcliffe from Indiana, second team All-Big Ten last year. And Neely Herring from Wichita State, who is a big part of that lineup. Outfielders, Riley Boone, Oklahoma, your FGCL MVP, will be an outfield starter for Oklahoma this year. Just show you how deep Oklahoma was last year, Riley Boone didn't really play a whole lot nope amazing just a clutch pinch hitter Jeez. jada mcfarland from maryland you're a big 10 freshman of the year and kate houston from appalachian state those are your outfielders dp allie harrell from marshall first team all conference usa last year i haven't seen conference usa preseason awards but she was preseason player of the year last year so she'll be in the mix this year and utility Paige Rao from villanova 2021 third team all-american two-time big east player of the year pitcher of the year last year so now we get to pick our preseason FGCL Player of the Year, Tom. So Rao,
1: both hits and pitches. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's allowed. Yes. Okay. It's good, not good. unnecessary, right. actually. <laughs> okay. Great. Right, gotcha. I think uh, I think I'm going to go with Haley Lee. One one player that is not on your on your list that the first one that came to my mind because of what she did in, in the playoffs of the FGCL was Sarah Willis, a a, a circus. Yes. A member of the circus. Uh, she circused <laughs> all summer long. <laughs> she did might be that number two behind Gabby Plain in Washington this year. And uh, I think I was really impressed by what what she brought both uh, on the field and off the field at the FGCL. So I think she's definitely one to watch on that list as well. But I think it's going to come down for player of the year between Haley Lee and Riley Boone. I think Haley Lee just barely gets out of it. All right, Haley Lee, our FGCL Preseason Player of the Year. Some
0: other people to watch, I don't want to name everybody, Bree Roper at Ole Miss, Ellie Armistead at Georgia, Sarah Willis, you talked about her, Mac Leonard now at Florida State, our Mercer Bears. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Lindsey Fico and Kara Parker. They're our friends. we got so many coaches we're going to talk about all year long. The Mercer Bears are going to be a team we follow all year. We might even start a segment. For the Mercer Bears, who knows?
1: And if you're uh, if you're maybe not an FGCL
0: follower, but you are an Alabama follower, Courtney Gettens. Yes, Courtney Gettens, the pitching coach at Mercer. That's right. Mm-hmm. They they took the whole FGCL staff it. to go to Mercer. <laughs> All right, Tom. What do you say we uh, we steal second? Do you see it over there? Do you? It's been a while. You got to mm-hmm. you know rub the eyes, get the sleep out of the way. Going through the signs. Yes. We're seeing ready to go. And now we're good. Green nice. my guys. Back at it. Let's go. It's time to steal second. When we get back. Jenny Dalton Hill is here. The Arizona Wildcat, ESPN analyst from the 7 Innings Podcast. What an interview this will be. We're going to cover literally everything, coast to coast. That's next when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast, season four premiere. Amazing. Ray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. And it is time for the part of the show all of you love to listen to. It's the interview portion. It's the stealing second portion of the show. And who better to have on for the season four premiere than our friend, the All-American from Arizona, the ESPN analyst. You know her from the Seven Innings podcast. We got her benched, but that's ancient history. It's 2022. Jenny Dalton Hill is here. JDH, how are you? It's so good to see you.
3: It's so good to see you guys. I can't believe you had me on the premiere does a coach say, hey, let's steal second with Jenny Dalton Mills. So it's nice to have a new role. <laughs> you were so good at
0: driving in the people who were stealing the bases. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Hidden okay. talent. Nobody knew. No. That's right. <laughs> Should have been a green light girl. We didn't yes. Know. yes. <laughs> okay, JDH, we, we've got so much to talk about. We're going to cover a lot in this interview, but I want to start off with your trip to Tucson for what is, what I'm 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 guessing is called Mike Kendrea weekend. They named the field after him. He got recognized at the basketball game. It looked like so many Arizona alums were there to honor the now retired coach. Uh, tell us about it. How much fun was it to see everybody and to be there to honor coach Kendrea
3: You know, the cool thing about it is that normally you don't get a group that big together unless it's a sad event, right? Because everybody's coming together to support. But in this situation, while it is a little sad that we won't see Coach Candrea on the field as a coach, it was a retirement party. So it was retirement weekend for Coach Candrea in Tucson. The banquet had almost 400 people, and that was in, that even was impacted by COVID. Some people chose not to attend because of the exposure, and some people were sick. So I can only imagine what kind of number they would have had had they had that banquet outside of softball season, getting ready to ramp up. Mm. Olympians there. You had Hall of Fame players there. You had, I mean, it it was an eclectic mix of every kind of life Coach Candrea has been able to touch. I mean, you had strength coaches, you had field crew, you, I mean, it was trainers. You had a little bit of everything because coach has always treated everybody around him like they were the most important person. And so that's what he's tried to hand down to all of us. And I feel like that's what's made his legacy so important. And,
0: you know, we were texting a lot when we were in OKC last year, and I cried a lot. Tom knows at the Women's College World Series a year ago. I cried when Alabama lost. No shame. A lot of people heard it. I cried when Odyssey Alexander came out against Oklahoma, and I cried watching you on the studio set talking about what Coach Kandrea means to you. And uh, obviously, those feelings are still there. The listeners can't see your face, but we can. And I know just how much he meant to you and, and obviously to the program.
3: Well, and the thing that was really cool about it, they did have two other people slated to MC the event, but last minute they had to cancel. And so Tina coach's wife actually called me up two days before the event and said, Hey, will you MC coach's retirement? Talk about dream come true. I mean, it was, it's one thing to be able to talk about him, you know, in a five minute talk and share some experiences, but to be able to sit up there all night and just tip your cap to the coolest guy I know was pretty exciting. And So God works in mysterious ways, but I was grateful to be able to be the MC and just kind of honor him all night long.
1: And we're going to talk about Arizona a little bit more later on when we start talking about this weekend with Alabama heading out to Tucson. Uh, But before we get to any of that, uh, just overall, as we head into the 2022 season, um, what really is exciting you about uh, what's coming up?
3: Well, you're starting to see rosters pare down a little bit, that COVID year of 2020, rosters were inflated. I mean, you had some programs with over 30 players. and that's hard for anybody. It hurts recruiting. It hurts the players who expected to step in and maybe have a role that was a little bit more of a contribution to the program who then were sidelined. Some had some chose to red shirt because of the backlog of players. And so it's neat that we're now seeing a little bit more, of those huge rosters dissipate and give them give players an opportunity to really feel like they have a chance to touch the field where I think there were quite a few players across the country in 2021 that realized they weren't going to get a shot because that everybody ahead of them, there were two, they were too many kids ahead of them to be able to make a starting lineup.
0: Well, the size of Oklahoma's roster might be dissipating, but the talent is not. And, you know, there are maybe some pitching questions, but the offense is still stacked. And which is remarkable, considering how historic things were last year. What does Oklahoma look like in 2022? Can they possibly repeat the magic and the statistical mayhem that we saw last year?
3: Can they possibly? Yeah, they totally can. I mean, honestly, Oklahoma is still stacked. I mean, they had such young talent. You got Tiara Jennings, Jada Coleman, Jocelyn Allo, Kinsey Hanson, Kinsey Donahue. Oh, and by the way, they didn't graduate. They led the offense and their back. Those five players alone had 103 home runs, and that was just those five. So when it comes to power, they maybe lost some players, but they did not lose the potent offense that we got accustomed to last year.
1: It, but it may not be the runaway in the Big 12 that it normally is because we see Oklahoma State this year is getting a lot of top five national recognition. Obviously got the big transfer pitchers coming in. Um, do you think that Oklahoma State might be in a position where they might be able to catch their rivals and from Norman?
3: Well, I feel like the MO of Oklahoma State is the transfer. He always goes in. Coach Kenny Gajewski goes in and finds those gems that are in the transfer portal. He says he doesn't shop the transfer portal, but I'm gonna have to beg to differ because he always finds the big ones. And this year is no different. Miranda Ellish coming in, transferring over from or from Texas, started her career at Oregon, but She's going to take the place of Carrie Eberly of a year ago. So when you see a big pitcher leave a leave a program, you sometimes worry. Oh, how are we going to replace her? Well, go to the transfer portal, and Kenny Guyaski grabs a gem, and then you wonder. You know, what are they going to do without Allison Thebry, potent hitter for them in the lineup? Well, they've got some big ones coming back. Haley Busby, Kylie Naomi. I mean they're going to be okay. It's just a matter of how do they gel because bringing in a transfer brings in different blood and you have to figure out how to mesh all those different characteristics in a team.
0: Is Miranda Ellish the biggest wild card this year? Because we haven't seen her since 2020. I think we all agree she was going to win player of the year that year. She was amazing at the plate and in the circle, but no one's seen her. She's been kind of a little spotty on the preseason All-American teams, but you know, Who knows what she could take Oklahoma State to this year?
3: Well, I think it's funny that we talk. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm in media, too, so I know that preseason teams give us something to talk about before we see people take the field. But honestly, she is a wild card to me. And preseason teams, I kind of throw them out the window when I look at it as a player. Like, ah, you haven't done anything. Let's see what you've got. But when it comes to what does Miranda Ellish have, I think we're going to see her more mature, more relaxed. And now playing with nothing to lose, knowing that this is probably the end of
1: the road. Taking a look now at the future home for Oklahoma, the SEC, they're coming in a few years, but um, Alabama, the kind of the unanimous pick to be to win. But there is, I think you can make a legitimate case, some better than others, but a legitimate case for up to seven to eight teams to win this conference. It's a very deep conference. How do you see things shaking out in the SEC?
3: I think that's generous. Seven to eight teams, come on. But honestly, you're right. The SEC is very deep, and typically in a year we see almost all teams make the postseason because of the RPI they're able to generate. Because of playing each other, they're in conference. I don't know that you have seven or eight teams that are going to be able to win the SEC. I mean, come on, you guys are homers. Alabama is probably going to win this one. I mean, you've got Lexi Kilfoyle and the arm of Montana Fouts that you have to face very different looks, very different pictures and both amazing in their own right. Then you add in, you know, some healthy, um, a healthy Bailey Dowling now back and probably with a little chip on her shoulder to have something to prove. I mean, she went down with that ACL and now feels like, no, I was better than what I was able to show you. And probably coming back with a little bit of something to prove, um, Kaylee Tao back in the lineup again. I mean, does that is that kid ever gonna graduate? I feel like she's been there for- <laughs>
0: We've been calling um, her grandma.
3: <laughs> no doubt, right? Um, but I think the thing that's really cool is they've um, got two key transfers that are gonna fill really pivotal roles for them. Ashley Prange, um, she can play every infield spot. I coached her in um, travel ball and she's just one of those players, a quiet force to be reckoned with and not a lot of flash, but man, is she good. And then you got Allie Shipman, the transfer coming over from Tennessee that'll probably round things out back behind the dish that'll give the backstop to the two probably most dominant pitchers in the SEC.
0: Well, you mentioned Tennessee. Every year, Tom and I heartily disagree on teams. Sometimes all of a team really high. Tom will have them lower. You know, a couple of years ago in 2020, I had Georgia at two. He had Georgia at nine. <laughs> this year, the two teams we cannot agree on are Kentucky and Tennessee. And lo and behold, they played a fall ball game that you called that was on the SEC Network Plus. Where do you feel like those teams stack up in the SEC this year?
3: I actually was not giving Tennessee enough credit going into that fall game. I, it, for me, it was a temperature gauge to figure out what we were going to see in the spring, those two teams, Kentucky and Tennessee do not play each other in the regular season. And so they, that happens every third year. And so during that time, they play each other in the fall. Um, coach Lawson was able to find a way to get that one on digital plus, and we did a much different kind of broadcast. And I'm going to say it was maybe the funnest broadcast I've ever done just because we had Ralph weekly literally sat in the booth for I think three innings, like he had story after story. We're like, okay, Ralph, we got to keep talking about this game (laughs) Stop going down memory lane, but um, Tennessee and Ashley Rogers, you know, we've seen Ashley Rogers. She's been hurt in the past, some back issues that sidelined the dominance that we knew she could have she's healthy and Holy cow. Did she perform? And when it came to the offense, they showed up and supported her. And so for me, I've got Tennessee moved up. I know in preseason rankings, they're at four, but I could see them as high as two or three, depending on how the offense pulls through for them. So um, Tennessee, not a wild card for me. I think they're going to be pretty dominant. Kentucky, on the other hand, is going to have a hard road, I think, through the SEC this year. Pitching, they lost Autumn Humes, and she's the one that really carried them last year. They did get Alexia Lacatena. from the Italian national team um, from the Northeast. And she steps in, but she's young. So what's it gonna be like when she's getting hit hard um, week after week? Uh, That's one of the things that most pitchers have to get used to is getting hit hard. When they come in, they're not the dominant pitcher that they used to be. But LaCatena was able to play in the Olympics. She understands what it's like to get hit. And Coach Lawson says that she's one of the most mature pitchers she's ever had come into her program. Offense though, for Kentucky, it was quiet in the fall, and I'm worried about that offense. I'm worried that they're not going to be able to support the pitching staff that they have, the young pitching staff, and they're going to have to out-hit a lot of opponents to be able to come away with the wins that they need.
0: Well, we've already talked about Kentucky a bit, Tom. Just a reminder, folks, Kentucky's first conference series at Alabama. So yes. I do suggest if the Wildcats want to get things figured out before then, you know, they probably should because it's not going to be easy
1: when they start SEC play. And I see that I'm, I'm an island unto myself yes. that I, I am a supporter of the Wildcats this year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, well, and
3: don't get me wrong. I'm a supporter of them as well. I just can't look past the things that they showed in the fall. And sure. in the fall, they showed some weaknesses, but they showed it with time to correct them. So hopefully they make those corrections and come back knowing what they needed to work on and have a little bit more focused Uh, approach in the box to be able to attack the two toughest pitchers (laughs) that that that's a two-headed monster kilfoyle and fouts Ah, two of the nicest people in the world as well i mean do they have a kryptonite i'm just saying that they're just two of my favorite people
1: if they did we would not say it certainly hope not right (laughs) uh (laughs) taking a look at what's going on in the acc this year uh, Florida State coming off of being in the National Championship Series last year uh, seems to be the, the pick going away for to win the league, but it seems to be really deep with Virginia Tech, Duke, Miller Dame, Clemson, the defending regular season champions also coming back. Uh, what do you look for from the ACC in 2022?
3: I think Florida State is one of those teams that you can never look past. They have been the tried and true uh, champion in ACC play. But last year, struggled offensively. I mean, didn't have the power that they were used to in the past. And it took them a long time to really define what they were offensively. Because of that, it then gave them an opportunity to redefine themselves. But that happened middle to three quarters of the way through the year. So a lot of people thought, oh, who's it going to be? It's not Florida State this year. And at the ACC tournament, they didn't show up. Clemson, able, Clemson and Duke were in the finals. And so that's the crazy part that Florida state able to make the championship series at.
1: Unfortunately, unfortunately they found the offense against. We remember, Uh, but yeah,
3: (laughs) I apologize guys. (laughs) But that's the cool thing about Florida state. I actually just talked to Lonnie Alameda today and she said, we were asking her about her offense because she graduated The couple of hitters that had power for them. And so the question mark was, how are you going to score runs this year? She said, I'll let you know after about 20 games. So the thing is there's no panic in coach Alameda. That's the cool part that she doesn't go into a season expecting to win every game. She goes in as kind of like a science experiment to figure out what's going to be the right fit and doesn't push panic. That's the coolest part.
0: ESPN's Jenny Dalton Hill joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast as we steal second. JDH, let's move out to your territory. I know you don't live there now, but you've always got your eye on what's going on out west. Is it fair to say it seems like UCLA and everybody else, I know everybody behind the Bruins are in tears and, you know, Washington and Arizona will be good again, but does it seem like UCLA is the easy pick to win the pack this season?
3: I think they could be, but there's some question marks that need to be answered For me to give them that like shoe in into, um, the conference championship. Now they, they, right now they do it as just a regular season champion. We know that they've, um, come out that they will have a conference tournament that doesn't start this year. I think it starts next year, but when it comes down to the PAC 12 UCLA, you know, typically when you lose two Olympians, (laughs) you get worried, but UCLA doesn't need to panic. They've got national championship experience still on their squad uh Brie Perez Aaliyah Jordan Kinsley Washington and who can forget the Brady bombs I mean I it's hard to root for Bruins I'm not gonna lie because when you have a wildcat it's hard to tip your cap to UCLA however I need to because they have so much power hitting wise and then Megan Framo, you know, she didn't make the world series trip last year, but she's back in the circle. And I think she's got a chip on her shoulder of something to prove as well. So I think she'll be pretty dominant through, um, pack 12 play the question mark for me for Washington. The only reason I don't give them a nod to be, be ahead of UCLA is will they be able to support Gabby Plain? I mean, talk about a workout course over 200 innings last year in the circle and, couldn't find the right mix to give her support but now kelly lynch is healthy and i'm really looking to see who that solid number two pitcher will be to back up gabby plane i think they can figure things out offensively but will they be able to help gabby plane out that's the big one and then you've arizona i'm not ever going to count out arizona it's the caitlin low era what do how do they respond to a brand new head coach and so um Lots of energy, lots of experience, and she's not new to the program. She's just going to pick up the tradition, carry the torch, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do.
1: You talked about with uh, Kaylee Tao, Gabby Plain, when when will she graduate? <laughs> she has been at Washington for 10 years. My gosh. Uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, Alabama-Arizona, one of the big matchups in week one, but uh, the biggest marquee one is that UCLA-Oklahoma game. That was the the matchup that we were told was going to be the national championship matchup all year last year. And then it didn't happen, but we're going to see it here in week number one. Uh, What can both those teams take away from that type of matchup so early in the year?
3: Well, it depends on how the coaches approach that game. Do they approach it like it's June in Oklahoma city and try to find that starting lineup. That's going to beat the other team up, or do they use it to test some things out defensively, test some things out offensively, use some different um, keys in the circle. It just depends on how they approach it. I think that it's kind of one of those benchmark games where you say, no, we're going out for blood. We're going to prove something here in week one. So I think you'll see both of those coaches come out just absolutely trying to stack the lineup to overtake the other team. Um, The ball flies in that stadium. And so I'm curious to see, can Oklahoma, can they contain Oklahoma and keep them (laughs) out in Westwood, not down the road to Beverly Hills. You know,
0: talking about though, how the coaches are going to take it. Do you feel like this could be a chance to give some of the younger pitchers, uh, you know, an opportunity in a big time game like that? I mean, we know that the ACE for UCLA is Megan Faramo, Lauren Shaw, the Iowa transfer, maybe give her some innings, or if you're Oklahoma, it's more undefined, but that seems like a great chance to, to let the highly recruited Jordan Ball get some throws in against the Bruins.
3: Yeah. And in ta- listening to some of the preseason interviews with coach um, Gasso, she never touts her team high and never, uh, she's one of those coaches that doesn't get too high and doesn't get too low, stays very even. And so talks. she talks about all the work they have to do. And I'm like, what work you mean, like going to get the home run balls. But when it comes down to what she talked about, their fall was full of, she said last year, their fall was full of the pitchers being absolutely demolished by the hitters and coming into the season, thinking they weren't good enough. She said, this fall has been unique because the pitchers are starting to take advantage of hitters and they're not having as much success in the box. And so where do those pitchers really stack up? It'll be interesting to see against UCLA hitters.
1: We, we've talked about it a couple of times now, but just uh, you mentioned the, the Caitlin Lowe era starting in Arizona. Um, they've had some turnover, not just in the coaching staff, but players and everything uh, from last year's team that did make the women's college world series, Alabama taking on Arizona as part of the Mike Candrea invitational in opening weekend at Mike Kendre field at Mike Kendra field <laughs> right uh, what uh, what do you think the just uh, the mindset and what do you think the the, the team is going to be like for Arizona in 2022
3: I see them really young a lot of fresh faces at the helm but a lot of young talent too and so because of that there's a there's question marks and that's what you're looking to fill this time of year the, the recruits that Arizona gets and that Alabama gets are not immune to hard pitching, tough games. They've all played high-level travel ball on a national stage. So these games, while we see them as, oh man, these freshmen are stepping into such big roles, it's just like putting your pants on one leg at a time. It's not a big deal to them. And you're hoping that some of your young, fresh talent is able to have some quality moments, even though they might get roughed up a little bit.
0: Jenny Dalton-Hill joining us as we steal second on the Out of the Box podcast season four premiere. JDH, we're not going to let you go without making some predictions because, you know, everyone has to have World Series picks on record, but we're going to make it easier for you. You've just got to pick four teams right now, four teams that you think will make the Women's College World Series come the end of May, early June.
3: Okay, so one of my picks is going to make you guys really happy. I think Alabama will be there. Um, I think Oklahoma will be there. I think UCLA this year will be there as well. Then it comes down to who's that number four. So you look at FSU, Florida State, can they score their way there this year? I don't know. Texas, can their offense outdo last year, which was the number one offense of their, of their career or their time at Texas? Uh, Oklahoma State, Washington? Clemson Valerie Cagle I'm gonna go with Florida
1: oh, yeah, Florida yeah. is not, one not of those teams excited about that one. I know
3: sorry big man <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to this though Florida last year lost at home to Georgia on their own field before being able to get to Oklahoma City and I luckily never lost at home. We went to the World Series every year, but I know what it's like to lose that last game. And I can only imagine that disrespect that you feel when the other team is dogpiling on your field and is going to the World Series. For me, no coach would have to tell me anything. I would be in the weight room, I would be watching what I ate, I would be running constantly, I would do everything I possibly could to not have that feeling at the end of the year. And I think that's how Tim Walton will probably approach this year. And I expect to see them in Oklahoma city.
0: Yeah. You know, I love that point. And I think it's, you know, you can add even more to it because it was Georgia, You know, it's Georgia. That's Florida's rival. It's a team that they beat two out of three times in Athens earlier that year. A team that finished 11th in the conference. A team that was not playing well at all going into the tournament. That was a bad team going into the NCAA tournament. And they went and won in Gainesville. So I think think that's a good point. We talk a lot about motivation for individual players and, and sometimes for teams. But there might not be a more motivated team in the country than Florida.
3: Yeah and the only other team I would maybe say has that same kind of motivation as LSU because they had Florida state come into their house and beat them at home and have to watch that dog pile happen on their tiger. I mean, it makes my skin crawl and I'm not even on those teams. I would be bitter forever until I could like re- get my revenge. So I see those two teams having something to play for. That's a little bit more gritty than everybody else.
0: That's Jenny Dalton-Hill joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast, stealing second with JDH. Everyone, I want to give a plug because the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational is coming up, and JDH will be partnered with my friend Drew Carter, who recently got the job at ESPN. JDH and Drew will be on for, I think, six games,
3: right, in Clearwater? That's so right, six games.
0: We'll be tuned in. We're very excited.
3: Well, the, to have that kind of competition is just like you were talking about, that Oklahoma and UCLA weekend. hmm Well, now you get three full days of it, of top elite competition, just hammering it out. And you get some of the most amazing games coming out of that second weekend of the season.
0: Well, we'll be very excited to watch that. We will chat with you again later on this season. Jenny Dalton Hill joining us on the Out of the Box podcast. JDH, thank you so much. You're the best.
3: Thank you, guys. Have a great season.
0: We've stolen second with the great Jenny Dalton Hill. And now, Tom, it is time to round third. And, you know, we do love traditions. Mm -hmm. And we are want to keep up traditions when we start them you just got to keep on doing things at work
1: yes of out. course yeah, right
0: and what has been working has been Tech's point of view a yes. yearly segment on the premiere and that's what we're gonna do when we round third
1: sounds like a plan let's do
0: it emily Tech clifford is here yes we're gonna chat with her when we get back here on the out of the box podcast Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. It is time to round third. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, season four premiere, our 71st podcast ever, our 41st regular season episode. And we've done four of these season premieres now, and this will be our fourth time with P-Tech's point of view with the great Emily P-Tech Clifford, who is here. Yes. In our studio.
4: I'm in the studio. Welcome. In a very
0: short chair. Yes. Sorry. We're <laughs> already both taller than you. We just... We've been, Sorry. <laughs> yes. It's okay.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. I always feel honored to kick off the season with y'all.
0: Of course. Alabama softball super fan. So many other things that we're going to talk about. But, of course, we have to ask how the squad is doing. The children. Baby Patrick. What's up? They're How's great. the family? He
4: just, he just got out of quarantine. You know, the whole family. We 26 days, I think, in January, we were someone in my house had COVID. So, uh, we're out of that. And guess what? That means we will be at Rhodes for, like, every single game we can make.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is Patrick fired up about Rhodes now that, he doesn't, does he like semi have an understanding yet?
4: He has no understanding. So he's going to be like a bull in a china shop and you guys better get ready because he has more energy than I do.
1: Oh, good. Is that possible? Right.
4: Uh, well, it's proving to be.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of the traditions, uh, we were able to restart a tradition this year having a trivia night. Alabama softball trivia night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, after uh, not being able to do it last year. And um, you went up to defend your Cakewalk Musical Chairs uh, title. And uh, unfortunately it was taken away.
4: You know what? I think um, I think there was a little behind the scenes stuff. People were trying to stage a coup because wow, I came wow. in and about- shenanigans no, being,
1: being uh,
4: Honestly, you heard it here alleged. first. But I came in and like three or four fans were like, KJ is going to beat you. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> And they were, came at me and KJ brought it to me and she, you know, she's she's a big person and I'm a little person and she made me very nervous and none of y'all told me she was a wrestling champion. Or
0: like oh yeah, a wrestler. that's true. Yeah. Like I did not know that. We said it on the radio, so I well, guess we know what you're listening well, to. Usually
4: I'm at the games right, right. Um, or wiping butts with my children. So sorry if I missed that, but you know, I found it out. I, I knocked down four people before I got behind her and then she just whoop, hit me out of the chair. But I feel really good. I went up against the, the champion of this yeah. year and was a formidable opponent. So I have to do a lot more work. I probably have to li- I have been in the gym six days out of six days, like lifting. I'm going to win this back.
0: Wow. Kim, I would just like to say, you know, in a year, like, you know, we've got COVID, we're in masks at Trivia Night. We have had injuries in past years, not because of trivia night, but just in general, I felt bad for you because all these tables, these lazy people, they just sent up players. So it was like you, I think Jamie Brewer, and then there was only like team three, 26. There's only three non players. Yeah. There. And right. of
4: course, like I come, like Alex Salter was one. And then I think the next person I was going against was uh Bailey Dowling. And everyone's like, please no. And she actually like bowed out. She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I was, I was, I was the smartest girl in the yes, room. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I was full on board with that. Me too. Yeah, uh, me right. too, to be honest. <laughs> the bubble wrap is real. Uh,
0: okay. Let's talk about the season and we're going to, you know, we've got so much to talk about with Emily Pete Clifford, Team USA. We're going to talk about your friend Kat retiring. We're going to talk about Speaking of cats, cat at Petco. A lot of cats. The, so I, many cats in the life. And I hate cats. I'm a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. Yes. But the season, you know, you went to hey coach earlier tonight. We're recording this a little bit later on this Monday uh, for the season four premiere. And uh, you know, today was a great day. Alabama sold out roads officially. All 3,200 season tickets are are gone. And that was our goal. Right. It's right. It's not sold out. Well, that's true, but it will be. <laughs> it will. Be. It, will be. <laughs> it will be for a bunch of these big series. I mean, I think that the interest around this program right now is maybe certainly as much as I've ever seen in my six years now on the radio team.
4: Yeah you there I can remember a couple of years um, having when we had Kelsey Dunn and Jackie Train on the same staff I think it was 2011 that was a pretty hyped year obviously 12 was amazing so that year was great 13 um, you had most of those, you had a lot of those people coming back seniors, obviously graduated, but you still had like Caleb bro and stuff coming back. And, and, uh, I think that might've been Haley McClenney's first year, maybe, mm-hmm. um, I have never, there were 50 people at Hey Coach tonight for Murph, yeah. <laughs> like 50. And, um, this, the, the, the attention this team is getting and the way Murph has grown the fan base in 26 years of being here is the trajectory is unlike anything i've seen i think maybe sarah patterson probably did it as good as anybody growing growing a female sport and murph learned a lot from her but people are salivating to mm. watch this it's team. crazy yes, and it's what what's I, what i also think is crazy i have never outwardly i've read in every q a that nate puts out on, on rolltide.com of the girls it's like what are your goals for the season every single one of them said we want to win the natty and it's hard saying that's your goal like it's really hard because you've set the bar so high and I think fans are like this team can do it we want to watch them we have Montana we have Bailey Dowling we have Allie Shipman you have Jenna Johnson like you have Kaylee Tao you want me to keep going because I could but I won't we already have this episode don't worry sorry you got it covered but player for player, there's someone exciting to watch in every position and just the relationships now, like, I think people are wanting to like, get an autograph again and Mm -hmm. go out with their families and sit in the brickyard and make it a weekend. So I don't think I've ever felt it this crazed for a start of a season.
1: I, I, I want, at one point would have said that there would never be a player as popular at Alabama as as Jackie Trena um Haley comes real close I think with the age that we're in now with NIL social media everything the tv coverage that we're getting Montana Faust is at that level now
4: she's you got to hang your hat on her for being one of the most she will be one of the most recognizable female athletes of any sport in this country she is this generation's Jenny Finch
0: she's the face of softball right she now she
4: is she is. And it, what's funny, is like you said, Haley McClenney, she was, she was the best player at the Olympics.
1: Right. Mm. She's literally the best player in the world right now.
4: <laughs> yeah. And Montana has her own clothing line <laughs> just 500 feet from
1: here, right. you know, like, yeah,
4: it's incredible. And I'm so glad softball, not only Alabama softball, but the sport of softball can hang their hat on these incredible women like Montana, like Kaylee Tao, like Allie Shipman and have younger, like my children look up to them. Yeah. And we, we have dinner conversations about them. And it's just they're in the minds and hearts of so many people across this country, not just the state, but in the country.
0: Well, and I think what makes this year so fun and why why the crowds are going to be crazy, all the names that you mentioned, but we really don't know what this team's going to look like. We have a pretty good sense it's going to be a great year because of the pieces in place. But how that great year comes about could go any which way. You could tell me right now that Jenna Johnson could hit anywhere one through nine in the order. And I'd be cool with it. We both think she's going to be lead off. Bailey Dowling can hit three through six. Ali Shimmick can hit anywhere. You've got all these freshmen who have shown that they deserve at least some playing time and a couple who are pretty surefire starters in our opinions, mm-hmm. but that's going to change. And that's, yeah. I think what's beautiful. These people are going to learn these people, these fans are going to learn the team each and every week, because it's going to be a new lineup, a new defense, a new pitching rotation every single weekend.
4: That's, that's part of Merck's mantra that tradition never graduates. And he uses preseason to give everybody a shot. And these girls better be ready when their number is called, because you might just get with a lineup like this. And with the, with the roster like this, you might get two chances mm-hmm. to prove your worth to coach. And if you fail at those, it's going to be a little bit harder to get back in the lineup you do well, it makes his job harder, make his job harder. So be ready. And, you know, you see all these preseason lists for SEC, all Americans and stuff like that. I bet there's someone on our roster right now who no one's thinking about. Part of me thinks of like Savannah Woodard, right? Like who is just going to step up and make an all SEC team who you would never thought about it.
0: It's, it's happened before Maddie Morgan was second team all SEC in 2019, the year before she had hit one Oh eight somewhere around there. Yeah.
4: And it's just, it's just like Alabama football. Like you're in, you're in the system, you're in the process of learning how to succeed at these in these big games, big moments. And, you know, a lot of times, sophomore, junior, seniors, you just hit the ground running you're ready to go and you're ready to shine. So I'm really excited to see who steps up this year and it's kind of an open invitation for any and all elephants to uh step up and show out yeah. but it'll be interesting who takes the baton next
0: if you need a place to stay as well i do have a guest room you're going <laughs> to in. utilize I it will. at some
1: point <laughs> come on in at any point uh, and you're talking about you know you're hoping to be at virtually every every game and you know as much as you can is there are there any particular games or series that you're really looking forward to really yes to? okay i have a guess but i'll let you answer it
4: okay it's texas
1: yeah cat
4: <laughs> was gonna come but now she's gonna she's gonna do a speaking engagement stuff. what no. Yeah, no, can't whatever. she speak
2: here yeah
4: i would listen to her talk <laughs> um i'll prepare a dollar um texas uh georgia is gonna be amazing because i think they're honoring uh the 2012 team oh, at some point yes. um or maybe not honoring but they're all coming back um missouri is going to be insane last week regular season um and then kentucky okay i love kentucky y'all know that
0: you and kayla kowalik have some, have I some love, fun twitter things i Go love ahead. kayla
4: kowalik if she wasn't a wildcat she is my favorite non-sec player or non-bama player 100 percent kayla i love you we're gonna get you a hair dye deal NAL deal will do that, <laughs> but uh, Coach Lawson loved, I just love their staff, and if anybody was at Supers last year, you know why you love that program. They do it the right way. Um, they have fun while they're playing. Uh, Kayla, I was heckling her. She would turn over and like talk back to me in like a great jovial, you know, <laughs> way, and it was just it was awesome. I love them. Um, as far as home series, that's pretty awesome. Away series, I'm still trying to think if I'm going to LSU. Nick Turina said I could stay at their guest house. Do
1: it. I don't
4: know how that's going to go depending on how the series goes, but it'll be fun. But yeah, the schedule this year is insane, but roads will be rocking. Um, I can't make... I'm telling everybody this now. I cannot make regionals. I have to be in a wedding. Y'all can't oh, be mad. Who,
0: who's getting married? Former
4: Alabama volleyball player, great Amy Polly. Y'all don't be mad at her or me that we. I can't be there, but... It was supposed to be super regional weekend and then it got moved forward one. So that's actually better. Okay.
0: I guess between the two. Yeah, yeah we need curious, to be super. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And P-TECH's point of view right here with Emily P-TECH Clifford. All right, M Team USA. We have been we spent so much time this summer talking about the Olympics. We did lives. We we were in I don't
4: remember any of it. We're <laughs> in like
0: 2 a.m. Oh, every day. We're in the fancy softball group chat. Those things were alive at 4 a.m. They were. And Team USA has been picked on the team. Montana Fouts, Haley McClinney from Alabama. What I love about it is you've got some new faces who probably should have been on the team this past summer, flipping. Uh, you've got Lorenz finally I, I mean say what you want about her from an Alabama fan perspective and I think she's the, the best hitter uh, yeah in terms of being able to do it all mm-hmm. uh, Haley might be the most consistent I think Lorenz is the most complete hitter in the world Molly Pola Pleasance Echols uh, as I said earlier Hanson from Oklahoma I mean this is a, a fun roster that is anchored by Monica Abbott yeah and Haley McClinney
4: yeah I think uh Watching the Olympics was pretty awesome. Japan is just on a a whole nother level when it comes down to it. Um, They just had a, had a great tournament. So did the United States though. Um, The roster I think that we see right now is reflecting where the sport is going. And it's super, super athletic. Um, It's got pop. It's got speed. Um, I'm interested to see what the arms do. Obviously, Montana, I'm excited. She's going to learn from Monica. Um, Ali Carta is just a professional as well. So I think uh, Montana is going to get better just in that and being around them. But there's so many names on this roster that in the past, like, five years at the World Series has been the MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's great from a fan's point of view that you're drawing in, you know, not just the casual fan because you're a little more more invested in that, but you're going to recognize these names and really gravitate towards your team's fl- favorite player that you've seen on TV so many times. Yeah. Um, and I'm pumped to watch them at the World Games this summer in, in Hoover. Um, don't know if I have like red, white, and blue stripes uh, overalls, but maybe I'll paint them.
1: <laughs> yeah, do that. I mean, I, 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 was real ex- I was real happy with not only the, the roster, and we said this earlier, but uh, not only the roster, but the overall group of players that were invited to try out because I thought that it kind of showed a change of philosophy um, with the new coaching staff of we're going to uh, highlight and prioritize a little bit more of the power game overall, because that that's the reason why the United States doesn't have a gold medal right now was because the lack of power on the previous team. So that's the other thing, you know, with the addition of Lorenz um, and then, you know, even Bailey getting the the invite out there kind of showed you, all right, this is this is where we're going in the next few years.
4: And you have to have that. You have to have people to get on base, and then you have to have someone who, in one swing, can yep. change the absolute dynamic of a game.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there was one arguably on the team this past summer, and that was Chittister. Right. And yeah. And there's yeah. and
1: there it's not like, not like the United States doesn't have power hitters. Right. Right? There's like there's no reason why that that should have been the case.
4: Right. Yeah. And I have no idea why former rosters were picked or why future ones will be, but you know, it's exciting to see something new and different and we'll see how this, this works.
0: Yeah. And it's fun because you've got so many people you recognize like immediately, like you said, who, in the last five years, you know, we, we just saw Deja Moly We just saw Bubba Nichols. We are going to see multiple team USA athletes play college this year. So I think that's going to help also, you know, invest the current college softball fan more in the program, which I mean, let's be honest, has been a struggle for a while yeah. ever, you know, ever since softball left the Olympics back in 08. And with all the pro leagues rising and falling, it's been hard to get people to care about the sport, the average fan to care about the sport beyond college.
4: Yeah. Maybe, and maybe this does help the national team piggyback off of the great success that college softball is riding in June and just keep it going through the summer because and you have to have these these big events um, you know, you should ride that momentum Mm -hmm. and I hope they do. And, um, I know Haley's promoting the world games a lot. I know Montana is being called in now that they're Alabama girls. And I think we're going to see some really great numbers out there this summer for them. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Certainly hope so. Yeah. Now the roster does not include Kat Osterman. She is is retired. She's now speaking and doing whatever else she's doing, but her retirement, uh, you know, she just went out and struck out what 12 people in her final AU game. And, uh, there were shutout, I think. And, um, you know, what a career she's had, obviously we've talked about her pretty much every year we've had you on, but one of your best friends.
4: Yeah. Minus not winning, um, some national championships at the collegiate level and, Bama was on our list and I always joke with her. If she came to Bama, she'd have at least two.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. About I don't guys. think that would
4: have been with Steph and, oh. and that
0: whole group. Oh gosh. It
4: would have been fine. She would have had a couple of natties, but right. she's kind of like the Tom Brady of softball. She's done literally everything. And she, she owns a lot of the record book and I'm so proud to be her friend and like investing my fandom in women's athletics. And she's, She's at, you know, the Mount Rushmore of female athletes right now is growing and growing and growing and she should be on there in my opinion, but I'm proud of her. She's transitioning nicely to normal life. Um, Becoming a
1: civilian. I mean, <laughs>
4: right. Just walking down the street and not having three people recognize you. Yeah, she's doing great at
1: that. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned where, where women's athletics is as a whole and just as a uh, as a athlete yourself and a former collegiate athlete and watching everything that's going on. Um, as we're in the 50th anniversary of Title IX and that type of stuff. Um, where do you see women's athletics right now at the collegiate level, level and then even as far as like Team USA? That Man, you be.
4: have softball leading the charge with viewership ratings. Um, women's basketball collegiately is growing insanely. Volleyball is huge. So some of the premier sports for females um, in college are just shooting up right now and people are investing in it. And I think Another caveat of that is the NIL deals. Um, I wish I had it when I was playing. Mm. I wish like, I had
0: it for broadcasters.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Baumhauers would have hit me up and got that sponsorship deal. Um, <laughs> but it's awesome. And I hope I make lots and lots of money someday and I can just pour into these these athletes who I think are just putting out such an incredible product. And I think now like new executives are, become, are females and they're understanding there's a whole market that you can corner and people are going to return your investment. Um, and you know, the world series attendance numbers are showing that viewership numbers are showing that, I mean, dwarfing baseball mm-hmm. and, and TV ratings. Um, so I would love to see more corporations step up and help and like universities invest in your stadiums and, you know, marketing your teams because people want the product. So I think I think it just needs to be concerted effort for everybody just really pour into it as much as you can. But I also think there's no way we've met the ceiling. No. We're climbing and climbing and climbing, but what we can be is so much greater than what we are now. And that's almost insane to think that where we are now. I mean, I remember Alabama softball when they started, or when I started watching in like 2003, and they had a a metal hitting cage. There was a tire on a wood stake out there that they would hit their bats against. And now they have this incredible facility that we all think isn't great enough, (laughs) you know? And I I mean, I designed a new one today. I drew it, (laughs) but like we can still be better. And yet we're, if you told Murph 26 years ago, this is where you would practice every day. He'd be like, no way in heck. Right. You know, you wouldn't say that, but.
1: Well, I, I think it's also important and I think it's finally being shown, but it's important to, to recognize that to give uh, female uh, sports things doesn't take away from other sports. Right. You can like, no one is mad that there is a, a, new, uh, a new gym going up for, for basketball. The women are also going to be, be a part of that as well. But no one's mad about that. But there's it's not like there's a lack of money for other things. Right. And it's, it's just allocating the, the resources and the money where, where it where it should go. Right. And I'm taking away from anybody.
4: And I'm always like you read my tweets, you'll see build the as new stadium. But I understand the pecking order. Currently, there's other things that need to be done. Well, you know what? At some point, Greg Bird, we're getting a new stadium.
0: At some point, <laughs> softball will be up at the top of that list. Right. Yeah. That's As, as the pegging orders go, yeah. that is how it works. Yeah, it's cyclical. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Also, uh, to your point, you know, it was so fascinating about 2021 as as the entertainment guy between the two of us. Right. I'm watching all the movies, watching all the shows. Everything was down ratings wise. Football, um, basketball, every sport. Yeah. Um, every award show was down like 90%. <laughs> every uh, This Is Us like the most popular network show a couple years ago. It's really good. Although I've stopped, I haven't seen it since season four, but season five, the ratings were down like 70%. Everything sank in 2021, which people thought was weird because we were still kind of inside. We weren't totally okay. Everything sank except women's sports. Softball rose up real quick. Women's basketball, like you talked about, was really popular. The volleyball championship was the most watched I think college volleyball match ever in ESPN history. So it was, it was women's sports that kept going up. And I, this year, like you said, women's basketball has gone up. I have to assume softball will continue to rise, especially with the kind of year I think we're going to have where there are going to be so many teams who can win it and who are playing at such a high level, maybe the highest level of collective championship contenders we've ever had.
1: Yeah. And for so many different reasons, Major League Baseball better get whatever their issues are labor-wise figured out because if there's not baseball on, college softball is going to fill that void. We're taking over.
4: Maybe I don't want baseball to figure it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: put, put Bama softball right. on ABC.
1: But it was – well, that should definitely happen. Should, um, uh, we've seen gymnastics there this year, which is another, yes. another huge thing. Let's just put Bama Florida back on right, there. Just did to that it. gymnastics yeah, to softball. It seemed to work all the way around. Um, but it, I think it was good to see as well, like when, you know – you had the two tournament bubbles last year, and when it was put out there, the discrepancies between the men's and the women's bubble, even people that normally wouldn't be speaking out or, or care about it, even they were like, okay, this is ridiculous.
4: There was a $10 million difference from Baseball World Series, College Crazy. Football World Series.
1: Right, and which, when you look at ratings and attendance, yeah. it should not have been. If, yeah, there was, so, if there was discrepancy, it should have been the other way around. Yeah,
4: that and that's still, that proves what we still have to accomplish as far as women's athletics and where we can still go. And I think that's the bar now is making things equal and giving every opportunity for a female athlete that you give to a male.
0: Yeah. Luckily, I think the timing is right for more coaches who are, I don't want to say older, but I mean, that's who are more tenured. They're at the right season, more season. They're (laughs) at the right age, the right time in their lives, or they can, kind of call out this stuff without facing any repercussions right. so you've got like titans in the sport you know the weeklies and carol hutchins and, and, Murph and candrea right. and patty gasso i mean all these people who have been in these schools for 20 plus years no one's going to touch them now no right. so they can speak out on these topics and we've seen that happen more in the last couple of years
4: yeah and they will continue to do that because they want to see they want to leave the game better than they found it and they're leaving it they're leaving it in a great situation for my kids
0: yes Absolutely. as we all do that's why yeah. we do this right? mm-hmm. to grow the game emily p tech clifford here for peachx point of view one last thing i know the studio is getting hot i can feel it too cat at petco uh what a story this was you know i, I want to hear it from your mouth in a second but this was something that just kind of like started as something in the group chat i think you sent it to us first and then you tweeted it or maybe one of the two and yeah. you said i'm trying to you know who wants to donate and then all of a sudden i mean so many college softball coaches hundreds of people thousands of dollars to this pet co-worker that you just met
4: i know i don't know why it happened but i think it was a god thing um i met her i think it was like december i don't know what day it was early december and i was buying dog food and i had patrick with me and patrick was running around the store like he does and this woman saw us like in the aisles and then she became our cashier And she asked how old Patrick was and just asked random questions about him. And then we got to talking and I found out she had a son about six months older than Patrick. And she was remarking at how great Patrick was communicating. And then that led to me discovering that her son has autism. And when she started talking about him, she got emotional. And I started asking questions if he was involved in certain places that could help him. And she basically said she couldn't afford it and she's overwhelmed and she doesn't know where to go next. And I drove home, it was about 10, 15 minute drive and I just couldn't stop thinking about her. So I think I might've text the group and was just like, I need to do something. And I am very loud and I am very active on social media. Loud, these are great things. Yeah. This is why it's a great thing because <laughs> I use that. I think people should use Twitter for good. I think people should use social media for good. And this was an opportunity to try to ask people to help her. I was literally hoping for $500 and put up on Instagram, put up on Twitter, these videos of me asking people for money. And literally my phone went off every minute for the first day. And my girls were like, someone else paid, someone else paid. Cause my phone goes <laughs> and uh, turned like, and I thought after a while, I thought, why don't I call out sec softball coaches? and really challenge them to step up to the plate. And, uh, they sure did. And I I literally would DM people, DM coaches or tag them and be like, you're next, you know, I got this much money for so. And so what are you going to do every, and and I kind of expanded it every someone from the staff of almost every school donated. And if not, a former alumni donated from every SEC school. Um, shout out to the Gasso family. You know, we hate, love to hate them, yeah. <laughs> but they donated as well, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you had people from so many different conferences the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the PAC, um, the Big 10. You had people from different divisions Division 2, II, Division 3, just high school coaches. Um, so the sport of softball stepped up huge for a mom and her son and in two and a half days, we raised $15,000 and there were about, you know, I'm not going to say some stuff cause I don't want to get audited, but Ooh. there was a lot of money and gift cards donated as well. Um, so the, she had a great Christmas and, um, it was pretty cool. Cause even at trivia night, Jenna Lord came up to me and we just saying how impressed she was and thankful she was that I did that because her brother has autism and mm-hmm. it just, I think there's a lot of those stories out there where people know somebody or a family member has is autistic. And for me now, it's a cause I'm going to advocate for, um, just because I have a little better tie into it. I can put a face to a cause Mm -hmm. and I hope, I hope the sport of softball keeps doing that keeps helping people who need it. And it's an awesome community. I'm so glad they let a soccer girl into it. Um, and you guys just accept people with open arms and you show up when you're needed, not just to games, but like when things really matter, um, the softball world and community community shows up. So she's appreciative. I'm appreciative. And I think we just have to remember we can do really good things when we do them together, whether that's cheering a team on or helping someone in need. So this is my call to everybody out there to do that more often.
1: Yeah. And it's great to, great to see that. Cause like you said, Twitter, especially normally accessible as just noted
0: a, by our off the wall segment, just <laughs> an
1: absolute, just garbage, but for, for something, it should be used for good. And that was just something that shows that people that have something in common, but may never met each other, may never, that, that if you have that social media reach, you can, you can reach them and uh, and kind of rally everyone to a great cause. And that was great. And just showing that video of you, of you going and giving giving cat mm-hmm. the stuff just like if if you need to cry like that just watch <laughs> that
4: video i cried when i gave her the 500 bucks and i'm like lady we're giving <laughs> you more there are
0: like seven more envelopes <laughs> just wait and then i got really really excited about it it was great it no, was a great day. and i think you're exactly on the money about the softball community you know what we have experienced with this podcast is coaches who welcome us with open arms not yeah. just in alabama but i mean we've for two years talked to every head coach in the conference what other sport can you do that yeah, yeah. and the media i mean you know it Earlier tonight, we just straight up FaceTimed two of the top people at ESPN (laughs) just because I could text a couple people right now and say, hey, I've got a question about this and they would answer. And the players are the same way. I think that this sport is so unique in that we are all in this together because we have one common goal and that commonality of trying to grow the game brings us together to help situations like this yeah. and uh that's that's what makes the sport so special
1: if if there is a bright side to maybe not getting the coverage that the sport deserved for so long it's that everyone kind of developed a us against the world attitude and we're all going to come together we're going to fight fight like heck on the field but we're all about growing the sport absolutely and, and, and it's and it's great to see yeah
0: Emily Pete's point of view. That, Wait, do you have I anything do, else you want I to cover? Okay. I do. This this is, is You're the be... only interviewee that we would ever ask that okay. to. you're allowed, yeah, whatever. Do whatever it. You like, all we right. can leave if you want. No, <laughs> <leave.
4: laughs> Just my gun all yeah. <laughs> No, this is a call to every Alabama. I know this is an Alabama podcast or you guys covered the SEC, but this is a call to Alabama softball fans. We have a team who can accomplish really, really great things. And I hope to heck that y'all don't fill up their off the wall segment with just insane comments about what the coaches are doing, why Sally Sue isn't hitting. You guys need to stop that. You need to trust the coaching staff who is a model of consistent, continued success. And you need to trust the girls that what they're going to do is going to be great. They're incredible. At trivia night, freshmen came up to me, started talking with zero hesitation as if they knew me for six years. To be that confident in yourself means you're gonna be successful in whatever you do. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna be successful if we keep bringing them down. So it's our job as fans to cheer loudest when our backs are against the wall. And when they do great things, support them. And when they don't, you pat them on the back and you support them anyways.
1: So- But Emily, what if we lose a game in February?
4: It doesn't matter. (laughs)
1: What if a player goes
0: one for nine on the weekend? It doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Yes.
4: But that's my call. You got. We got to be good fans. We got to be great fans. When Saban came here, he said, "Be champions in everything you do." We need to channel that mindset, and mm. we need to be awesome for this team that will give us really, really great moments and hopefully another trophy. Preach. Yeah. Like
0: wow. Now, yeah, let's let off the wall. Go back to what <laughs> it used to be, which is like. People asking what time the game is on right. the graphic that it's says terrible. what time the game is. Oh,
4: and if you do be crazy on the intranets, I will find you and I will call you out on it because I am still at my core a blunt New Yorker.
0: And also, I've I've given her the list from last year. We're we're gonna give some of the one-timers from off the wall a break, but if you're trying to get tickets and you're on this list, it's probably not gonna you're, work yeah. out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. probably not gonna work out.
4: Also, if you do have season tickets and you can't go to a game. Find me. I have a database now that I'm growing, basically a pool of tickets that cannot be used by the season ticket holder, and I will pass them forward to someone who needs them. About last year, I think I did 800 tickets paid forward from people.
2: So,
0: and now
1: you need to do more, Emily. You're not doing enough. (laughs) What? Slacker. (laughs) Yeah, my gosh. (laughs)
4: <laughs> there's many hours in the day. Stay up for uh,
0: well, you've, uh, you've been in Tuscaloosa for many hours. You, you should, we should probably let you go and let you get back with your right. children and husband and family and whatnot.
4: I'll sleep on your balcony. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: feels good outside. That's Emily P-Tech Clifford for P-Tech's point of view. Thank you so much. That was, uh, th- th- this was one of the best conversations we've Love ever it. had on the show.
4: Well, thank you guys. And your podcast, you know, accompanies me in the gym on my rides to Tuscaloosa, so keep doing what you're doing and keep growing the sport in your own little way.
0: What's a gym? I'm sorry, just kidding. <laughs> That's us rounding third with Emily P. tech but Tom, it's time to head home. Yes. Wow, what a long podcast this has been. <laughs> Everyone, Wait. there's more to come. <laughs> not,
1: this is nothing unusual for if you've listened to any of our 71 podcasts.
0: Yeah, the premieres are always... We, you tend,
1: know. we tend to just ramble on. It's all directed by Martin Scorsese. When we
0: come back, we've got or Goldmine, Preseason rankings for both of us, and yes, even off the wall, because despite Emily's pleas, there were still people who said some dumb crap in the offseason. That's when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast, season four premiere. (sighs) Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast, you brave souls that have hung around for the entire show. It's season four premiere, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, two years ago i said that this was out of the box colon the irishman last year i said it was out of the box colon avengers colon endgame sure
1: now what else is are we titanic where are we on the scale of length (laughs) we're we're around braveheart titanic level
0: i believe we are james cameron right basically basically, right yes avatar whatever or avatar two through five that are all coming out (laughs) in the next six
1: years Or so he says.
0: Let's review our trip around the bases, as we always do. We started at plate, discussed all things Alabama. We gave our lineup predictions. Then we advanced to first and went through the entire SEC. Broke down everybody, 1 through 13, in the preseason coaches' polls.
1: Quick thumbnails.
0: Yes. We'll go more in-depth in a minute. Then we stole second with Jenny Dalton-Hill, who we will have back on the show at some point this year. It was good to get her opinion on all things Mm
1: coast-to-coast.
0: We rounded third in a brilliant, beautiful – Amazing
1: conversation with Emily P. Tech Clifford. Thoroughly really enjoyed that. Hit a bunch of different top topics with her, and got a really good perspective, and made me even more excited for the season getting rolling. Out. Absolutely, I, I, the
0: conversation about the growth of women's sports. I, it's not on the rundown. Great improvising by you, partner, because that led to one of my favorite conversations we've ever had
1: on yeah. this podcast. And uh, there, there may be a special bonus out of the box coming at some point talking about that with some other people as well yes we discussed that with some of our friends
0: lots of things
1: are in the mix as always with us as usual yes
0: but now it's time to head home and we begin with landmine or goldmine now if you remember the origins of landmine or goldmine it was when i confused those two words on a broadcast they mean very different things very much so yes landmines are bad predictions goldmines are good predictions and as we usually do we give three landmine or gold mines. it could go either way they're bold predictions for the 2020 season historically tom has been better at this than me as with most predicting things well you know it happens every once in a while but you were obvious. you were better in like by far in year one hmm. season two i guess it was all landmines right <laughs> none of it yeah right happened. None of it, right last year it was even it was yeah, pretty she, even okay um, all right this year we'll see what happens uh who who is going you want to go
1: first i will go first on this okay on this first all right uh, my first one; these are usually our first ones are more Alabama centric, and our and my first one is that I I think that Dallas Goodnight by I'm not gonna say the start of conference play, but by maybe the middle of conference play, I think Dallas Goodnight is going to be the leadoff hitter for Alabama. Uh, I don't think Jenna Johnson is leaving the lineup by any stretch. I will I probably think, put her at two. Yeah, she may move to, just down to two or or three depending on how she's doing power wise, but. Uh, I think Dallas Goodnight is going to be the leadoff slash center fielder for Alabama for the next four years. I
0: could not agree more. I I think that when we're sitting in OKC and we do the lineups brought to you by Chick-fil-A, right? Yes, Chick-fil-A. The the script changes every year. I think Dallas Goodnight will be the leadoff for sure when we're in OKC. I don't know when it happens. Leading up to that. But okay. by the end of the year, Dallas Goodnight will be the leadoff hitter. So I am with you. Okay. On your laminar goal. Go, go ahead and sign me up as president of the Dallas Goodnight fan club. I have to pick mine. So okay. we'll, we'll see right. what happens. <laughs> but I'm, we'll file the paperwork tonight. Thank you. Good. My first one. Lexi Kilfoyle and Montana Fouts will be two of the top three options for SEC Pitcher of the Year. And Lexi Kilfoyle will have a good case to win it. Why do I believe that? Because a lot of these SEC teams, as we talked about earlier, still really haven't seen healthy Lexi Kilfoyle maybe three series in her career against yeah. SEC opponents for which she has been healthy. And I don't think any of them are on the schedule this year. So that's fun. I just think that Lexi's stuff from what I've seen this year is so good. And when she's healthy, she can make that ball dance. Her change up in these scrimmages and fall ball was the best I've ever seen. it. Yeah. So I think that Lexi Kilfoyle will have a chance to win this award Montana's going to be there because she is the face of softball and she's the best pitcher in the country right now but i think kill is going to have a case now there's a question about whether both of them will be put up for that because you know like i mentioned oscar nominations coming up one of the fears for these movies is if they put two people up in the same category they'll split the vote. i want to split the vote. so You know, Could that be something Patrick Murphy tries to avoid by just nominating Montana or or Lexi, not nominating them both? Could it be a case where it doesn't matter and whoever it is is so overwhelmingly good that they take it either way? I don't know. That's a discussion we'll have later on down the road. But I think two of your three best options for SEC Pitcher of the Year will be Lexi Kilfoyle and Montana Fouts. And if I had to guess, the third option would probably be Ashley Rogers.
1: Best case scenario for Alabama would be you put up Montana fouls for pitcher and put up Lexi for player because she's done so well batting. And there you go. Bing bang it's bomb. Lo- load it up. <laughs> I'm first now, right? <laughs> yes, you're first here for
0: number two. Okay. My second landmine or goldmine. Four SEC teams will have a realistic mathematical chance at the regular season title going into the final weekend. Those four teams, this is teasing my top – rankings Mm -hmm. already those four teams will be alabama missouri arkansas and florida i would like to remind everyone that the last two seasons we have crowned a champion that champion or at least one of the co-champions has celebrated winning the sec on lsu's field and neither one were lsu right yeah florida closes conference play the second to last weekend at lsu Mm perhaps something to note they have a bye week the last week they play our friends at mercer that final week of the regular season alabama's got missouri we've talked enough about what that series means arkansas at texas a&m a&m could play a huge spoiler that weekend but i think bottom line those four teams will be very very tight in the standings when we get to the final weekend of the regular season
1: my, uh, my landmine gold mine here is going to p- piggyback off of that just a little bit, and I'm going to narrow it down even more. Ooh! And I'm going to say straight up, it's going to work out to where the winner of the Alabama-Missouri series will win the conference. Wow. I think you will know going in on Friday, you win two out of three, you win the conference. Has there ever been a program
0: Maybe like first take in LeBron that has ever loved anyone involved in sports
1: like we love Larissa Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever fan club that is. I mean, like, wow. I, I mean, I don't hate it because yeah. I think that there's a case to be made there. Like, I mean, the schedule plays out so well for Missouri. It does. Uh, it's very similar to what happened with Arkansas last year. Um, that they, they have so much returning from the team that was the eight overall national seed last year, if they can just find and solidify that Friday night starter, which I think they're well on their way of doing it, it just, it, it all sets out really well for them. And, but unfortunately they have to come to right. for for last weekend for
0: them. There is a chance that that Arkansas at Florida series right there near the bottom of the conference slate, that could be an elimination series. Yeah. And so then, you know, we'll see what else plays out there. But I mean, I, it, again, I don't hate it. Right. You know, right it's, you it's bold, but it's not impossible. It's something I wholeheartedly disagree with. There you
1: go. Your number three, Tom. My number three, as we take a look toward Oklahoma city and the women's college world series. My landmine, goldmine here is that I think, and this is going to be, it's somewhat of a re- reflection on my lack of faith on a committee getting seating correct. <laughs> and that I think there is outside of outside of maybe the top one or two, uh, there is so many possible teams that can make the Women's College World Series this year. I will say half of the field, four out of the eight, in the women's college world series will not have hosted the super regional round.
0: Ooh. I, I was voice texting with Amanda Scarborough earlier today. Mm. we essentially said the exact same thing. Oh, so wow. I, I, you are, you are knocking these land gold mm. mines out of the park.
1: <laughs> Either that, or I'm getting
2: <laughs> them. Right.
0: Anybody in particular sticks out for you. I mean, I mean, that, that seems like a world where a Michigan, a Clemson, a yeah. 10
1: seed Missouri. Right. Or, a underseeded team Mm. gets an opportunity again, not to totally give, give away my rankings in the conference, but a team like Arkansas who may be a 14 to 16 seed nationally, but have because of their record, but have more talent than that goes on the road and wins in conference uh, or wins in the super regionals. I I think there's, there's going to be that. And then there, I think there's going to be another, james madison type team i don't know who it's going to be uh but someone is going to kind of catch that magical way that odyssey alexander caught
0: ah, which tall state maybe could right. be that hey, who knows and what someone's
1: going to be top 18 that they shouldn't be and they're going to get exposed
0: yes and you know we've seen upsets in the past i've well that's not exactly my landmine or gold mine it is kind of play into my third pick we're going to have a quote-unquote new national champion this year Tom we've talked right. about parody in this sport forever mm-hmm. the last five titles have been Oklahoma UCLA Florida State Oklahoma and Oklahoma and Florida State and OU have also been runners up in those years right when you look at it at the actual finale there hasn't been a ton of <laughs> new blood right yeah so I think we're gonna have a new quote-unquote national champion now I'm not about to roll out and say what I thought might be my landmine or goldmine and that's that Alabama and Oklahoma will play for the title on the 10th anniversary of the <laughs> dancing in the rain game. Right. I, I think that there's a chance that this is the year Oklahoma doesn't make the champ series. That'd be fine. And it's a scenario where it's like an Alabama versus you know Washington or, or Arizona or somebody, you know, something new, I, I right. think is what's going to happen. I, I just don't see the same repetitiveness this year, because as we talked about with, with P-Tech, I believe that this is the highest level of championship worthy teams that we've ever had. And the most of those teams yeah. that we've ever had because of the way that the rosters are and the, frankly, how good the young talent is across this country. Yeah. There are eight or nine teams that I could make an argument for to, to win a national championship this year. So there you go. Yeah.
1: I don't hate that either. I'm, I'm down. With What's it. going on with us. We're just agreeing <laughs> with each other. All right. Landmine or gold mines. How do you feel? I feel pretty good about them. Uh, I think we've agreed on a lot of things. I think we're going to disagree when we come to our uh, top, our thir- 1 through 13. Let so. me hide my list. Yeah. So, shall we do it? end up pretty quickly. It's time for our SEC
0: preseason rankings. Last year, I believe the way it went is I think you had more that were closer to the actual rankings. I had more hits. I think I had like three or four that were exactly right. No. You had one or two, but you had seven or eight that were within a spot. I had some big swings and misses, right? Your big hit was South Carolina. You picked them to finish last. They did finish last probably the first
1: time we've ever gotten flack from non Alabama fans, but you know, you were right. So congrats, Tom. Twitter mod mob came after me, but that's, that's what happens. Had a huge swing and miss of Mississippi state. Uh, so you know swing for the fences sometimes you come up short
0: shall we do it let's go all right you're gonna lead off with your number 13 tom who is your 13th ranked sec team in your preseason poll
1: i'd just like to point out south carolina in this year's preseason poll and the coaches poll in the sec unanimous number 13 i don't think they finished last though i'm gonna go auburn finishing thirteen. wow yeah I-, I think south carolina is going to they're going to find – I don't know who it's going to be. They're going to find somebody that's going to be able to win a Friday night or two, um, and they're going to be able to – and they've also been listening to everyone say how bad they are for so long that they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to get some wins. It may come down to that series against Auburn. Uh, if they win that series, they're not, they're not 13th. So I think, I think they get just enough to get ahead of Auburn. Auburn, I don't see where the offense is. Uh, I, I just don't. So I, I think they're going to be last.
0: What a shame for Shelby Lowe. I, mean, I
1: hate to see it. Wow.
0: Okay. Auburn at 13. Again, Tom throws a curveball. My 13 team is South Carolina. <laughs> I'm <just> gonna be <laughs> How dare shade. you disrespect I, South, South Carolina. Carolina. I apologize, Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, there. you can't lose your three best bats, one of whom had missed a year. And she missed a year and was going to be the best offensive player anyway on the team. <laughs> and then she left. Right. Jackson State. She did. The pitching staff is deep, but it's not the kind of depth where you trust anybody really. Mm -hmm. It's Leah Powell's the best bet to be an ace, but she's still young. She's still learning. And as great as the, you know, victory in Gainesville over Florida was, there were also some puzzlers in conference play last year for Leah Powell. I, I think that South Carolina is far and away last place. They've also got a really tough conference schedule, like we talked about earlier, at Missouri, at LSU, at Arkansas, that could mm-hmm. very well be 0 and 9. Yeah, I've got South Carolina last, and I feel I feel pretty confident about this one, which means congrats, you're going to come in fifth. <laughs> uh, I don't have them last. I do have them 12th. Okay, so uh, South Carolina is at number 12 for me. This, I'm not saying they're going to be good, but they're not going to be last. I've got Auburn 12. Oh, there you go. I don't think it's going to be as dire as you make it sound. I think they're going to be a tournament team. I think Shelby Lowe is going to be one of the best arms in this conference, but the offense is a problem. And Mickey Dean in our conversation in media days, I loved it. He's a great guy. I sure. loved our conversation. Yeah. I didn't hear anything that gave me confidence that they had found a solution. Uh-huh. It seems like this is going to be kind of a work in progress here offensively. And until they find somebody scary, whether it be a recruit or whether it be somebody who's improved so much in the offseason, uh, until that happens, I don't trust them. So I've got Auburn 12. I've got 11 Ole Miss. I really don't know why I'm making this pick. I've got Ole Miss 11, despite them returning their two best arms, despite a, a key transfer in Bree Roper, despite a key transfer in Brooke Vestal from Oklahoma, another pitcher. They've got some good bats, but there's still there's still some smoke over there. There's still, there's still something that doesn't feel right with Ole Miss right now. It still feels like they're dealing with things after all the offseason stuff. Part of it is the schedule. Part of it is because you know their offense lost lacked explosiveness in the latter part of the year. Part of it's because I, I think that team is a little undisciplined. Which is something that we have seen multiple yeah. bits of evidence of over the years. Yeah. So I've got Ole Miss at eleven. Of my bottom five, I think this is the team that could shock everybody and finish top six because I, I could see a world where Ole Miss plays the underdog card and it works out and they rally around uh, their head coach and those players and that staff. But I don't have the confidence in them. I've got them at eleven.
1: I do too. I've always come at number eleven. For I feel better. Many of the same reasons. Uh, at number 10 I'm going to put Texas A&M and I think that they're a team that's going to be probably a little bit better than their record indicates them to be it's just so hard to climb out of a hole when nobody else is getting getting worse and I think kind of that's going to be the spot that A&M is in they were in so many different games last year which we talked about um, getting over that hump if they're able to get over that hump they could easily I think they're they're kind of like what I'm what you were saying with Ole Miss just a minute ago I think A&M has a higher ceiling, uh, but I'm going to slot them in right now at 10.
0: My number 10 is Mississippi State. They need a number two. They need somebody to protect me, Davidson. If they can find those two things, they'll probably get up to like seven or eight. But I don't think as a team this, this squad has a very high ceiling. But, but I think their floor is higher. Than the teams below them just because you've got a talent like Annie Willis and a talent like Mia Davidson. If yeah. that's what you're going to build your roster around, you're going to be a solid three seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think in 10th in the SEC. Yeah. Should I do my number nine? Yes. Okay. I've have.
1: got AM. Well, there we go. I have yes. Mississippi State at nine. So wow. Look at that. Yeah, but similar situation. I think Mississippi State and AM, I think, are both in, in slots where I think they can spoil some games, late, some teams' records that are higher up. So I, I think they're going to avoid some sweeps. That's going to knock some other teams down.
0: I think that A&M's schedule is the most circuitous. I, I don't actually think I know. The only team ranked below eight in the preseason poll on their SEC schedule is a road trip to Auburn. Everybody else is seven or higher and the preseason wow. picks that is the AM conference schedule yikes but i think they've got the talent to at least break even on some of those not not go 500 but they're not going to get swept every weekend so right. I, i've got AM at nine
1: so we have the same teams from nine through 13 just a little bit different order yes overall uh i think this is where we'll kind of start start moving off from each other here a little bit at eight i have georgia okay uh again just trying to find who's going to replace the truth i think they're going to they're going to win some games with the, that they should they're going to win some games they probably shouldn't but they're going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't too i think they're going to be a team you probably won't want to see in the postseason from evidence from what we saw last year uh, i don't think they get any higher than eighth.
0: well remember earlier we were talking about these two teams that were tied at seventh and talking about them being right. enigmas yeah i've got the ultra enigmas the og enigmas kentucky at eight, Oh wow all right where who is pitching what, who? what, what are we doing?
1: What are we doing? What, what is who
0: who is throw? who is taking the circle? <laughs> you, you cannot tell me with a straight face that anyone in this country, I think Rachel Lawson included, knows right now, right now, in any, in any capacity, who is going to take the circle when they play at Arizona in a couple weeks. It's a big time non-conference game. It's a game you'll want to win. You'll want your ace out there. Who's their ace? I don't know. Nope. So they, there is no answer to that question. There is no one on that staff I trust. The, the couple I did, I watched them get murdered by Tennessee <laughs> in a fall ball game. And yeah, it's fall ball.
1: Yeah, that's let's not, let's not put too much on that fall ball game. But still, you game. know,
0: let's not throw fatties over the middle. That's, right. that's sure. all I'm asking sure. for. Understood. So I think the Kentucky offense is going to be good. Uh, Kentucky and Georgia, I'm going to get to Georgia in a second. Those are two teams that are going to have to outscore their opponents. My number seven is Georgia. Same deal. That team is so young though. They are so volatile. I have no idea. I mean, I could see them top four. I could see them bottom three. Uh It could go any which way. It depends on the vibe of that team. I think it is going to be all about not to sound like a hippie here, but vibes, you know, can the overall confidence of the team be positive throughout the year? Because when you're young it's the emotion that gets you going. If yeah. there's if there's any negativity in that program at all, the results will, I think, showcase that. So I've got Georgia at seven, but th- that's the team I feel most uncomfortable with in right. these rankings.
1: All right. We get to the seven. I think seven is where we get to that level of you could make a case for them for any of these teams to win the conference. Some cases much better than others, JDH. <laughs> Some are much
0: better than others. All right, so the last two times she's been on the show. You've gotten into it about which is harder, SEC or Pac-12 to yes. win, and now and she, she threw some shade she at said, you. Geez. We love JDH, ready. we You're do, right. but I I find it funny that there's like some strange beef between the two of you. <laughs> I don't know where it came and from. I don't know
1: why. I love JDH. Oh my gosh. Why are you calling me out? I don't think they're necessarily the seventh best team in the league. Oh no. But I'm going to put Tennessee mm. at number seven. Why? So you, you have to see it you know there has to be the gelling of whoever's behind rogers which they have obviously a lot of talent to do that but you got to you know who's going to slot in are they going to be fine being the number you're two, right we don't have the proof yet we don't have the proof yet offensively you know you're replacing shipment there's a lot of there's has been a lot of upheaval there is are you going to be able to produce it? and then you have the schedule so at missouri arkansas at florida that that is a rough three game three series to start off the conference slate. So if what the, what is the what is the best
0: case scenario for Tennessee out of those those first nine conference games? Well, at best Missouri, case, Arkansas, at Florida.
1: I think best case is six and three. Like okay. you say say you know that even if somehow you sweep one of those and then you lose one of those series at six and three or two and one all the way through. Uh, but you know if you go with the worst case you're three probably three and six two and seven which is the worst case and now you're way behind the eight ball even though you know the middle of the schedule is not not as daunting but you know then you have to be perfect Then you have to be perfect the rest of the way you're number six tom my number six defending sec champion arkansas
0: holy mother of okay wait hold on so (laughs) wow yeah Please explain yourself, and then I want to bring up some comments that Courtney Diefel made sure. immediately. days. right. But
1: please go ahead. I will. Again, the, as I just mentioned when we talked about earlier, the I I keep going back to the comparison with Alabama men's basketball this year. They are going to have the target on their back from everyone all you know all season long, and they have never been in that position before. How are they going to react to that? How are they going to react if they lose the series that they were able to to, to win last year? You know, when all seemed like all the all the breaks fell their way, the odds of it, they're going to start going the other way a little bit at some point during the season. How are they going to react then? Just haven't seen it yet. Again, I kind of like Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is necessarily the seventh best team in the league. I don't think Arkansas is the sixth best team. I wouldn't want to play them in regionals if, you know, if if they are a 14 through 16 seed somewhere or if they're a really high number two. look out, you may not make it through because Arkansas may be coming through. And the difference between one and six is going to be, like, two or three games. It's not like it's going to be this huge, huge yeah. gap. Uh, but I'm going to put Arkansas at six.
0: All right. So, Courtney Diefel immediately said that she thinks this offense is better than last year. She did say that. She did say that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I, I believe her. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're out here just – saying not nah lady you're wrong (laughs) no sec (laughs) coach of the year year. (laughs) courtney (laughs) difel how dare you we love courtney difel except i I apparently love her more all right (laughs) my number six is lsu i like beth tarina and i like this team this is a good pitching staff i think that ali Kilponen showed me something at the end of last year and I, i think that when we go to baton rouge to start conference play i think we're going to be very taken by what she is able to do friday saturday or friday sunday in that series i'm not saying lsu's going to win that series but i think that she is going to be the most effective pitcher we've seen from lsu against alabama the last couple years okay I, i think that taylor pleasance is going to become a player that steps into her star role sierra briggs can pretty much just slide into the Aaliyah andrews role and then if the rest of the offense can at least stay consistent i feel pretty confident that this is a team that would finish in the top half of the standings and host regionals and you know, depending on what the RPI looks like, maybe be a super host if, if they get a break. Because again, these standings sometimes mean nothing to committees. Sure. Right.
1: You got five.
0: Tennessee, Ashley Rogers. She she is one of the top three pitchers in this league. The offense brings back Ayala, Malloy, and they get add help and Edmondson and White. I don't understand why they got a first place vote. I'm not ready to say they're going to win the conference this year because of how difficult that conference schedule is. But Ashley Rogers is too good to finish below fifth, I think, in the conference. And Tennessee is a World Series dark horse to me because with those other two pitchers, her innings pitched should be down. If they're not, Tennessee is not a World Series dark horse.
1: You're number five, Tom. Uh, the enigmas of the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm going to put them in at number five. Uh, Kayla Wallach. Well, it's kind of go along the same with Ashley Rogers. <laughs> Kayla Qualic. I mean, I, I don't see her. Uh, allowing the team to finish uh, lower than fifth. I don't really know what Kentucky is. We, they played Alabama seven times last year. Still didn't know what they were. No idea. I have no clue. And we uh, open, so. well, they open conference play with us. We uh, have them the second yeah. weekend. Right. They, they have a bye there to start things off and then and they come to Tuscaloosa for yet another matchup uh, with, with Kentucky and Alabama. But after that, it, it kind of levels off a little bit. And they're. I think they'll be able to take advantage of some of the, uh, the other matchups and they gotta find. They gotta find a starter. They gotta find an ace of some sort. Surely it's on. It's on the roster. She's there somewhere. They should, well, they have ninety right. pitchers, so, <laughs> so, so they'll find lots of nominees. Right. You said earlier I had a handle on Kentucky. I don't have a handle on Kentucky. I just, for some reason, have a good feeling about them this
2: year. Okay.
1: They'll still probably be the 16th or 15th seed nationally, uh, <laughs> where they normally slot in. They'll get enough conference victories, get number five. You're number four. My number four. Uh, This may surprise you a little bit more because I'm going to go Florida. Wow. Yeah.
0: Have you been drinking like
1: excessive? (laughs) When
0: I took P-TECH down to her car, did you just
1: shotgun something? (laughs) I did not raid the wine fridge. No, Uh, it's a little bit schedule wise for Florida. And then kind of along the same lines that I I was talking about with Arkansas to where, you know, they've had a a few seasons in a row obviously it didn't end that way this this past year when they lost to Georgia in the supers but where they've had a lot of breaks kind of fall their way and this just maybe the year where again if you finish fourth in the SEC you've probably had a pretty good year yeah, you're hosting you're right. at,
0: you're at least in the conversation to host supers
1: so I I, I don't foresee a huge drop off again this is a one or two game difference uh but I think Florida comes in four
0: my number four is Missouri I think they will have a mathematical chance to win the conference entering the final weekend. I think they will lose two out of three to Alabama. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Potentially get swept. I don't know. Last time they were here, they got swept. Uh, I, I think
1: this Alabama is... does have a history of sweeping Missouri yes. to win the, to win the uh, conference. This is a this is
0: going to be a really good Missouri team. This is going to be a Missouri team you don't want to play in the postseason. This is going to be a Missouri team that I think is is going to be the best and most consistent offense in this league Uh it just all depends on if the pitching can come together and if somebody can stick out and be that person that you just ride when you have to is there that person right now i don't know my guess would be krings but i who's to say who's so i think that there is that potential but based on what we know I just, I can't put Missouri higher than fourth, but we do yeah. love you, Larissa. I just say, apparently I love her more than you do.
1: Wow. Oh, well, a, te- a tease.
0: <laughs> we'll get to my number three first. <laughs> All right. I've got Arkansas.
1: Okay.
0: This is uh, a team that overachieved despite having mathematically the easiest conference schedule of anyone, but still nobody really thought that this could actually happen Arkansas winning the conference until we looked and Arkansas was sitting at nine and 0 we're like oh wait right <laughs> the Razorbacks are about to do this yeah. they were a deserving champion as we talked about earlier I'm not sure that the overall consistency one through nine of the offense and of the pitching staff will be as good as the two teams I have above them so it's very nitpicky it's very close that it's probably by a game based yeah. on the landmine goal I, ha- I had earlier. But I've got Arkansas at number three. Okay. Uh, my
1: number three is going to be the LSU Tigers. Interesting. I think they're going to avoid that two-week swoon, the two- or three-week swoon. It's a situation where, you know, win a series 2-1 instead of losing it 2-1, or even lose a series but lose it 2-1 instead of being swept, kind of in the middle of, middle to the end of the season. If they're able to do that, Uh, I think they're going to be right there just out of the, uh, the chance to win this, win the conference on the last weekend. So their final five,
0: or actually let's look at their last four, their last four conference series are South Carolina at home at Georgia, Florida, and at Mississippi state. In my opinion, I I think that that does set up for you not to have the swoon I mean, Florida, it's going to be tough, but South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi state, those are all
1: easily winnable series. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, the, the, the schedule kind of sets up to where they're able to avoid it. And, uh, you know, and if they're able to, I guess the way I'm looking at it, then they win that series at Florida 2-1. You know, if they win it 2-1, then, you know, that's that game or two difference that puts LSU ahead of Florida in the final standing.
0: Your number two, well, process of elimination. Right, process I know who it is, so go ahead
1: and say it. We'll go with the Missouri Tigers. Again, the, the schedule sets up really nicely for them. That they're able to build off of what they did last year. They have so much returning from last year's team, just a continue upward movement for Missouri. I'm happy that that series is in Tuscaloosa. I've got Florida number two and I, I pinpoint
0: the two biggest conference series for them, um, but they get Alabama and Arkansas at home. And I, I don't think that they're going to sweep. I don't necessarily think they're going to win both those series, but I can tell you what, they're not going to get swept and, but in both of those. And odds are they're probably not going to lose both of those series. They might lose one, but mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll keep even with everybody else. I, I think that when you've got a Charlotte Eccles, who was so great, I also think, frankly, this freshman class is going to be really impressive. For Tim Walton, we have seen enough of Florida to know that he is probably not starting freshman unless it is absolutely 100% deserved. Reagan Walsh rolled in and just took the shortstop spot. Uh, we are going to see Kendra Falby play outfield and hit in the nine hole probably all year for the Gators, and we're going to see Lexi Delbray come in and pitch as a freshman with a staff that is not great but all pretty evenly consistent with Hightower and Lugo. I, I think that this is the year that the Gators get get a top 5 seed and actually deserve it <laughs> if I'm being honest right yeah and uh, i think they're going to come in second in the sec
1: so my number one i guess both of ours right yes we both see alabama we agree with what the the coaches said that the uh, and pretty much everyone who's put out a you know preseason sec poll uh, has alabama as a number one team a lot of it is because of that one two punch in the circle with Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilpoil.
0: Yeah, it's it's the pitching staff. It's a lot of people are just putting Alabama there because of Montana, and it's Lexi to me that secures yeah. it. The fact that you've got those two options who win healthy are top five pitchers. Maybe maybe at worst top seven pitchers in the country. I mean, you've got two of the best seven arms in the country.
1: So Come is, on, yeah, that's going to get it done. And then I think as far as like player of the year in the conference. I think Alabama has two real legitimate nominees as the player of the year in the conference with Kaylee Tao and Bailey Dowling. I think they're both going to, it's really impressive to me to, to just watch just the calmness and the ease that Kaylee Tao has stepped into the leadership role uh, on this team from what I've seen during the scrimmages and practices. She has just really stepped in. I think she is going to uh, go out with a bang yeah. this year. I, I really do. If someone can be a three-time All-American and be kind of under the radar, it'd be Kaylee Tao. I don't think she's going to be under the radar this year. She's going to come out and have a great season. Bailey Dowling, if she stays healthy this entire year, I think she's going to you know, show that what she was doing before she got hurt last year was not a fluke at all. So I think there's going to be a good offense behind that great pitching staff that Alabama has. And uh, it's going to lead them to the regular season conference title and uh, hopefully a whole lot more.
0: I don't hate it, obviously, because I have Alabama at one as well. <laughs> I think that by the time we get to the postseason, these these freshmen are going to be really impressive, and yeah. I firmly believe what I've said. I've I've said it in the past, but there weren't as many options this year. I firmly believe it. Alabama will have the best set of pinch hitters available in the country. There are so many options for Patrick Murphy this year. And I, I just, I, as we get ready to segue into off the wall, mm. I implore everyone to be patient because there's so much configuring that has to be done with this lineup. These people are freshmen and there are going to be a lot of freshmen that are relied on early in the year. It might not be a seven, nothing win over New Mexico. It might be one, nothing again, but the 2019 team won one, nothing over New Mexico and came in third nationally. Right. So the, I'm just the, saying, be patient with it. The, Let these kids grow up, as Emily Petek said, and uh, be supportive. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to see a team close like last year's did.
1: Yeah. The 2021 team lost 1 nothing to South Alabama and finished third nationally. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's not, as we segue off the wall, let's not lose our mind. Alabama loses a team game to a non ranked team in February. It's going to happen, but let's not.
0: Yeah. Off the wall. Okay, yes. here we go. Uh, Tom, do you have anything from the
1: off-season? What, what a bountiful off-season of <laughs> craziness it has been. Wait, wait, way too much. I've seen too many people already make absolute judgments before games even been played, which is ridiculous to begin with, or make absolute ju- judgments as though they have some inside information they don't have. Let, let games happen before we make any type of judgments. First of all, we shouldn't be making judgments in February, but for at least... Let Alabama play a, a team with another uniform on yeah. before before we decide that somebody's a bust or something. I'm, I don't have people I'm calling out yet, okay. but there, I've, I've seen just general statements like that being made, which are ridiculous. I do. Oh, goodness. Let's go to the document. Mm, the receipt's already being kept. Here we go. We've got a young
0: man. I don't know. He might not be young. Supposedly an Alabama fan? Uh, apparently. Okay. Uh, this was on a, I think, SI article in the comments there uh, come tournament time they will choke like they always do all right well first off again that's absolute second technically technically always but imply it's happened every time and last time i checked alabama did win a national championship in 2012 right. so already factually that comment doesn't make any sense right Second off, if you think last year was a choke job, look, that was a team that outkicked their coverage in terms of how they played and where they finished nationally. They finished third. After that Florida 9-2 loss, we talked about it. We sat in the press box. We thought that was maybe a fringe top 10 team, top 15, somewhere around there in terms of talent. They outkicked their coverage. Did it end great? No. But you know what that ending did? Pissed off Montana (laughs) foul. So maybe it's for the greater good. I don't know.
1: It, it, it was also a team that lost its two starting middle infielders, yeah, it, including the home run leader at the time, and could have possibly been the, the hitting champion uh, for, the, for the team. Yeah, it, it was impressive that they were even in the situation they were in.
0: Uh, this is going to be a year of, of Gray's happiness and mental health.
1: We're going Zen. Yes. Uh,
0: there are people that we have called out in past off the walls, whether it be people in the media or, or frequent commenters who I have decided to block because frankly, I just don't want to hear it. Um, we have given lots of folks opportunities to contact us if they have questions about the sport or the team or given suggestions like coming to practice or a game or a scrimmage and they have not taken it. So I'm not even going to worry about it. There will be, there will be some people you will not hear from and off the wall because I wash my hands of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably... Probably for the best. Yes. yes.
0: Just looking out for me, Tom. That's what you it's got. It's been there. a hard
1: year. It's been it's been rough. It's been we don't a- need to invite other bad things in. And by the way, that's not being a sunshine pumper. That's not being, you know, being anti any criticism. I think we've we've been critical a lot of times. Yeah, listen yeah. to the
0: broadcast. Right.
1: Hey. But there is a uh, such thing as having perspective and having at least a knowledge base before you make those type of criticisms. Right. Being critical doesn't just mean just being a jerk. It's like actually having something Mm -hmm. constructive to say.
0: Yeah. There will be times when we can have debates this year that will be critical debates based on a decision that is made or a move or a call or something. Right. And when those happen, we will have those thorough debates with our guests and with all of our friends before we go a Super Bowl pick, Tom, it's the Rams. It's the Bengals. It's Matt Stafford. It's Joe Burrow. Okay. Please
1: go ahead. Uh, I, I really like what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and other people involved with Cincinnati and, Basically, the SEC have uh, have done. They over they outkick their coverage to be in the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Uh, I think the Rams have a little bit too much defensively, uh, so I think the Rams are going to get it done.
0: Can the Bengals block Aaron Donald and Von Miller? Can anyone? No, no, probably man, not. Not enough. But I'm
1: going to pick Joe Burrow. Wow, because
0: this guy. If you if you go back to 20. 19, when LSU won the national championship in football. I'd rather not, but all right. But if you do, if you look at the, like, you have to have this or you're screwed games, from then on, pretty much, he is perfect. He won all the games he had to win at LSU. His rookie year, he got hurt at Cincinnati, so he never really had a chance. This year, the last regular season games he had to win to get into the playoffs, they won. All the playoff games, they've won. Joe Burrow's a winner. Those are our Super Bowl picks. That is the season four
1: premiere. Unbuckle- (laughs) Take a deep breath. We've done it. It's over. <laughs> we, we have made it the entire flight from <laughs> Birmingham to Tucson. To
0: Hawaii,
1: basically. <laughs> Not quite that far. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for making
0: it with us. Here is our podcast plan. We've got once a week, non-conference recording on Mondays being released on Tuesday. Conference play recording on Tuesdays being released on Wednesdays. All of our friends are coming back. Smitty, Scarborough, Shro, Bro lots of new friends too i mean we're gonna we're gonna hang out with everybody and we've got on the road shows in baton rouge and gainesville in the circle we'll be back and so many of our friends from college softball we uh, it's gonna be like a f- big fun reunion this year
1: yeah we do enjoy collaborating with all the different uh, podcasts and other media outlets that are out there and, and we appreciate them and like we talked with with emily that part of the big softball family that there is.
0: Before we give our Twitters, Tom, I want to make sure nobody turn it off yet. If you're a listener, this is important. We have
1: got new radio information. Tom, take it away. Where can the people find us? We will be our local affiliate here in Tuscaloosa is 97.5 FM, Nick 97.5. Um, that is uh, what they are on, on the website you can download. So if you were listening to us streaming and through a download through an app, uh we're not going to be on the praise app anymore we're on nick 97.5 app uh so download that and you can get it the same way you were getting it on the other app so uh and then if you're listening to us over the air as well at 97.5 fm and there'll be links to those listen lives on the on the website and on every uh, social media post as yes. well that'll be there at,
0: we're gonna do a lot of tweeting you can follow mm-hmm. me at gray gray underscore robertson i have a laid out i think beautifully but i don't know the instructions for how to listen i put the link if you want to listen on your phone or laptop i put a link to the app so you just have to press it and then press download right. and then you're
1: in just press the button yes just push the button
0: that's it's it audio. and we're gonna do so much tweeting from these games so right. i'm at gray underscore robertson gray underscore robertson tom t
1: canterbury r-t-r at t-c-a-n-t-e-r-b-u-r-y r-t-r on the twitter and then of course Follow the show at out of the box underscore pod. That's right. And on
0: Instagram at out of the box underscore pod 2 We're going to do some videos and, tw- you know, pictures and pictures from Tom's hungry. Yeah, establishment. We're going to tweet our yes. you know, tweet a lot of stuff yes. and Instagram, a lot of stuff. We're social media moguls. No. So. Wow. That's not right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not accurate. <laughs> I retract. <laughs> uh, a quick note before we thank everybody, uh, our friend at Troy. Beth Mullins, the head coach, she is taking a medical leave of absence. One of my favorite coaches that I've talked to for the TV Zoom. So, coach, uh, if you're out there, if you've, if you've stuck around for this Titanic, literally, <laughs> episode, uh, know that we're thinking about you and we hope to see you back out there on the field soon. Absolutely. Thank you to our guests, JDH, Emily P. Tech, some great stuff. We've got the schedule set for the next two shows. So, next week's episode, we'll announce the guest on our Friday game against Southern Utah
1: okay all right mark that now it's
0: late and i'm tired right and i'm about to be up seven more hours editing Mm -hmm. just in time for the oscar nominations (laughs) to be released at like 7 a.m eastern i don't know it's 10 movies i have not seen a sleep a mere suggestion Mm -hmm. for Ray. yes thank you everybody for tuning in oh my gosh what a season four premiere it's going to be such a great year we've got so much to share with you the next few months it's going to be an insane season tom let's go I'm so ready. It's going to be great. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. It's going to be a great ride. Stick around. So much more is coming. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box Podcast.